Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's the Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show. And uh, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, our top stories today. Well, we thought it was seven, but uh, so far six PGA golfers, including number two, Cam Smith, have moved over to the Live Tour. Little by little, they are getting some bigger names and uh, still early in their tenure. It's only, what, four tournaments in or so. They've only halfway through their first season. Hopefully it won't be too many more if you're a PGA fan. Uh, there is a battle for QB1. I love how fantasy football has taken over the world in the terminology. Uh, the QB1 battle uh, continues for the University of Hawaii. Yes, it does. And maybe Timmy Chang will talk more. I'm sure we'll talk more about it tomorrow and call the coach. Will it be Braden Chager or Joey Yellen this Saturday against Western Kentucky? Maybe they won't announce it until Saturday afternoon like last week. We'll have to wait and see. I think both are going to play. Actually, it's it's they're both they're they're battling for number one. You're not going to have a starter. Uh, anyway, check out the article at StarAdvertiser.com. And uh, finally, uh, NFL rosters need to be cut down to 53 today. Yes, and I'm hoping not to see that many familiar names, especially with Hawaii ties. But we did see a few already this morning, and it bothered me that Bradley and I got weighed by the New York Jets. First, you know, I'd love to have him on the Jets. He had that scoop and score after a sack of a quarterback two weeks ago, and he, I thought that would cement his status on the team and his roster spot. Maybe he'll still get signed to the 16-player practice squad. A lot of players will that got waived, but that was sad news for he, for him. And then Keith Kirkwood, former receiver who finished his career at Temple, I believe. A uh, former he, receiver for who? For, for Hawaii. So, you know, Hawaii, play, Hawaii ties, yeah. And uh, he got waived today, too, by Carolina. So those are the only players... I have seen so far with Hawaii ties. Uh, there's uh, some other names that were interesting on the waiver wire list. O.J. Howard, the tight end formerly with Tampa Bay, he gets waived. I thought he might be in the NFL, and he still might be, but never really uh, lived up to the hype coming out of Alabama for O.J. Howard. And then <laughs> some big-name running you said, backs. You you hope that O.J. Howard would be in the NFL. He's I thought been he, in the I, NFL I liked for him like in, 10 years. Don't he have to been that long, has it? No. O.J. Howard, sure, it's been years. I don't ten. know if it's 10 okay. years. It might be Only six five. years or something like that. How many? Five years? Ten? Yeah, he's been in the NFL for a little while. I, again, when he, he, I thought he kind of, not single-handedly, he was the big reason for them to beat Clemson in that championship game with that second half that he had. I thought he was going to be a Pro Bowl type of tight end, and he hasn't lived up to that. And, he hasn't uh, been an offensive type of guy. He's been a uh, like a blocking guy. He hasn't mm. been an offensive threat. Uh, he wasn't, you know, it was a different player in uh, in college. He really was. Yeah, good point. Uh, uh, Some other names that I found familiar, of course, on the waiver wire. We're going to see a lot more as the morning continues. I I knew with the running back situation in Miami, where they had five guys that have started games in the past, uh, some of them are going to have to be released. Uh, Sonny Michelle was the first one released. Uh, They might have to get rid of another one there. uh, Wasn't Kenyon Drake on the Dolphins? uh, 
No, he was waived by the Raiders. No, he was picked up. Oh, he was waived by the Raiders. I thought he got waived by the Dolphins, then got picked up by the he, Raiders. Now he's with the Ravens. He's meeting with them today. Yes, yes, he, he's meeting with them today. I think he was on Arizona for a little while in between there as well. Uh, Mohamed Sanu got waived by them as well yesterday for the Miami Dolphins. And the cuts are always not always different, but the last few years they've changed the dates and the amount. You only had five players cut two weeks ago, five more players cut last Tuesday. And this, I don't know if it's always this many, but from 80 to 53 is quite a lot. Uh, that's what teams had to go down to. Some teams were waving guys uh, a couple of days ago, but 27 players, uh, that's a lot. So you're going to see some big names out there. But not and- everybody is, Not everybody is. if I might jump in here, not everybody is releasing the same amount of people every single day in cut line. Some guys are making, instead of on August 30th, they've made the cut on August 29th or 27th. Right. Right. So today's just the deadline, not the day that you cut everybody, right? True, so you'll true. see some teams, it looks like they cut 12 guys, and another team looks like they cut five guys. Well, they've right. been cutting guys as they go along. Yeah, like I was saying, for the last few days. Kenyon Drake, seen... by the way, I'm sorry about Kenyon Drake. Okay. He was on Miami in uh, 2019 was his last year on Miami. I was con- I was confusing myself. They got Mostert now from Miami and a couple of other big names there, too. But you know some other guys are going to go. Uh, there's been a couple of trades today. I, I felt Philip Lindsay got waived by Buffalo. It wasn't that long ago that he was a really good running back, I thought. And it just shows the show with the running back life expectancy in the NFL. They say it's about three and a half years. Some guys will last a lot longer. But we've seen some big names. Some of the names I mentioned were all starters not too long ago. You considered Mostert a big name? These aren't big names. These are guys who have played in the NFL and were familiar because they were on good teams who were on TV. Well, I think they started. The Miami Dolphins don't have any big names in the backfield. Well, he started on the – There's a lot of guys that – but there's a lot of guys that have started – it doesn't well, mean you're a big name. Well, he started on a team that went to the NFC Championship game last year. I thought that was, you know. Right, because his team was really good. He wasn't the reason they were there. I'm sorry, I'm okay. nitpicking. No, and you, you know, that's say. a great point. I, when I say big name, the, I should mean big star. But when you say big, big star, names, but... it's, no, it's guys you might be familiar with. Okay. Mohamed okay. Sanu has never been a big name, but he's been in the league long enough and on many teams that we know who Mohamed Sanu is. But And he'll get picked up by somebody, I'm sure. A lot of these guys who you're seeing being released, because you're cutting guys, but you're also looking at the waiver wire as well. Yeah. A lot of these guys will end up on teams, and hopefully that's the route for Bradley Ane, Anai. Yeah, and again, the practice squad, I believe, was increased a year or two ago at the COVID, so it's 16 players now. That's more than it used to be. Uh, One name I think is going to be – that. well, one of two names will be out there at some point later today, and I feel bad in a way for one of the 49er quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, Purdy, the rookie out of Iowa State, and Nate Sudfeld. Because Jimmy G is not on the waiver wire. He didn't get traded. Today was the day that he had to do either or. And we find out last night they restructure his contract, and he is with the Niners. I've, that, that, I think, surprised a lot of people. But they didn't have a lot of options. And I think by some of the comments by John Lynch previously and Kyle Shanahan, it almost led to that, where the NFL teams were, yeah, they had interest in Jimmy G, but they were waiting for him to get waived so they didn't have to give yep. anything up because of the Niners' uh-huh. comments that he's not part Jokes of their on future. you guys. Jokes on you guys. You're waiting to get him for free? We'll just restructure his contract. Now, uh, Jimmy G will be able to uh, bolt next year on his own. Yeah. But what does that do for um, uh, Trey Lance? Is Trey Lance, is that, you know, is Trey Lance now maybe have a little bit of a leash on him? Yes. And, I mean, look at it this way. I mean, 
they, they're high on Lance. We've heard all the things said about him. Let's say he struggles to a one in two, one in three start, and he's throwing numbers a la, a la um, Zach Wilson of the Jets. I mean, where they're just barely over 150 yards. If he just average at best, what do they do? This is the team that's been in the championship. And I'm going to look at the big picture first before I go deeper into mm. that. This is a quarterback yeah. that led your team. Well, it had help, yes, but he was the quarterback of a team that went to the NFC Championship game. He didn't just play lousy, really. Well, they went to the straight. Super Bowl. They went to the Not Super last Bowl, year. Gary. Not last year. Oh, la- okay. Yeah, last they, year. They, they went, right. So He's a guy they, that very recently brought you to a Super Bowl. Yeah, and now, last year. if Trey Lance is a guy, if Trey Lance is average, then he keeps his job. You've got so much talent around you on offense and defense that if he's average, the 49ers are winning a lot of games. But my point is, how, how do you do that to a quarterback in Jimmy G where you cut his salary basically by about 75%, you remove mm-hmm. him as a starter, and what did he do to mm-hmm. deserve that? Oh, he helped your team go to the NFC Championship game. You, yeah, did he play it, great in that game? No. Still. No. Yeah. That's never happened in the NFL before. I'm outraged. <laughs> that's the... That's that's the league. Not for long, baby. Yeah, but not that's in a situation like this. It happens. It, you watch Hard Knocks all the time. You the, you love those shows. They, yeah. you, you it it happens on every team every year. Not like this. Can you tell me the t- t- any, ever in the NFL where you can remember any of our listeners where a quarterback was starting in a championship game and then gets basically demoted for a guy with very little experience for, and for what exact reason? Yeah. I think there are, and I'll think of it. I can't think of the top of my head right now, but there are guys who have started, and then the next year they, you know, uh, Alex Smith. How about that? Alex Smith was a a very good quarterback for um, the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Yeah. He he, he didn't get demoted. He got traded. Right, but he got traded. Why? Because of Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes was ready to start. And that's it is a good example because that's close to the same uh, situation. Craig Morton. I'm sorry, I got to go back. Craig Morton brings a team to the Super Bowl next year. Roger Staubach is the starter. There's one. How do you? Come I'm sorry, up with this I'm really thinking of old dudes. What's that? I said, how do you come up with this at six ten? That's great. But um, you're asking me that it, yeah. it happens all the time. I mean, if I can on half a brain this morning say bring out Craig Morton and Roger Staubach, you know. But I, I don't think, I think that's probably long... happened to Craig. It probably happened to Craig Morton again when he played for the Broncos. Could have been. Could have been. It's very rare that that happens. And, again, I don't think Jimmy G – I feel bad for him in a way that he he lost his job basically. I mean, again, he didn't stink it up or anything. Again, I know he did it in the Super Bowl. He made bad decisions. Some interceptions late. He made bad decisions at key times in games. And how often does that happen? Every quarterback just about does that. During the Super Bowl, right? But I mean, you make a you make you fumble the ball once in preseason, you're gone. How fair is that? How fair was Chad Owens fumbling uh, in the preseason like twice or something, and he's gone? Well, right. he turned out to be one of the best Canadian football players in the history of the league. Oh, that's unfair. That happens in professional sports. But Come that's on, fanboy. That's different than a starting quarterback in a championship game in a Super Bowl than a guy who you know wasn't really highly sought after in the NFL or highly regarded okay. coming into the league. How was he was highly regarded when the uh, when the, he got traded to the San Francisco 49ers at the time? Twenty one million dollars a year. No, I'm talking was about a Chad Owens. Talking about Chad Owens. I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the. Um, 
but that my example with Chad Owens and everyone else is it wasn't fair. Sure, it wasn't fair, but that's not that, that, nobody's. You're not you're not building championship teams on being fair. Well, this guy was uh, this guy was drafted by the team first. Isn't it fair that the third rounder makes it ahead of the fourth rounder? Oh no, the third rounder got cut. The fourth rounder made the team. That's not fair. This is professional sports. It's about money. It's about championships. And I understand that, and I agree with that. I just think his situation, Jimmy G, is a little bit different from what he was dealt with. And I do wonder, I guess the big question now is what happened if Trey Lance does struggle? Are they forced to put Jimmy G in? Because this is a championship-quality team on paper. They could get back to where they were last year and then some. But if Jimmy, if, if Trey Lance does struggle, I mean, what does that say about the Niners when they – and they put Jimmy G in, and let's say he leads them on a nice run. It is possible that that does happen. I don't think too many people expected him to be with the Niners today. I think that was the bigger shocker than anything else. Tommy Maddox, comeback player <laughs> of the year for the Pittsburgh Steelers, gets hurt, and he loses his job to Ben Roethlisberger. That wasn't fair. That's hurt. That's Tommy hurt. Maddox was the starting quarterback. You shouldn't lose your starting job because of injury. That's not fair. But when you get it hurt, happens all the time. But you get hurt. That's like saying Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe. I mean, he got hurt. So, I mean, you had to make a change. Yeah, that's not fair to Drew Bledsoe. <laughs> you should lose your job. But look, you're the cliche lover. You shouldn't be lose your job to injury, should you? Because that's not fair. That's a tough one. That's a tough one, depending ah. on each situation. I think it's case by case. I know that's what most people will do. I mean, some play, some coaches will have this, the, the policy, so to speak. You don't lose your job because of an injury. Others are like next man up, and if he's doing a good job, it's not fair, but that's the way it is. But that's, that's, that's what you're going to find out today with the mm. NFL rosters getting moved down, Gary. You know that. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that make the team that, that, that it's not fair because, well, he didn't get enough looks in practice. Well, talk to Jason Rivers about that. Right, talk right. to Ryan Grice Mullins about that. That wasn't fair. But you move on. I mean, that's the that's professional sports. It, you know, it's I don't know what you do. I mean, unless you, you you don't bring on as many free agents or you have bigger rosters. But every year, it's not fair. The I've I've become so. There's this Hard Knocks show on HBO Max, right? So they've yeah. only had three shows, right? Yeah, I believe it's three reason, so far. Yeah, yeah, I tried to watch it. And it's it's that's kind of lame. But anyway. You get kind of attached to some of these players. So uh, the, with the Detroit Lions, and the reason this is an interesting um, documentary is because Dan Campbell is so real, it yeah. seems. Dan Campbell is a guy, you know, be careful, don't have the kids around because, I mean, every other word starts with an F. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot. <laughs> it's like, gosh, you guys, can you guys try, and, can you try and improve your vocabulary just a little bit? But anyway, it is real, though. I mean, but... <laughs> What I find amazing about the Detroit Lions is that all of the coaches and coordinators are all former NFL players, like Deuce Staley and Aaron Glenn, the offensive. Well, Deuce Staley is the – who's the offensive coordinator for the Lions? Yeah. Because Deuce Staley – no, who's – Oh, who? I, I think it's Staley. I thought Staley was. He's the running backs coach, I thought, and the uh, assistant head coach. But it seems like he's calling the plays. Maybe he is the offensive coordinator. Aaron Glenn is a defensive coordinator – uh, is it Kenyon Williams? I forget the Randall linebacker L. coach. The linebacker coach uh, played for the Buffalo Bills. Antoine Randall, of course, is the receivers coach, as you just mentioned. But there's a lot of um, 
they're all like former players. It's pretty cool. But you get so attached to these players. And I've only seen three episodes of this show. And, you know, David Blaw, his wife is uh, trying to make the Olympics for Columbia. And he's a backup quarterback. And he had a chance. All he had to do in a game, preseason game, was to, you know, kind of uh, run out the clock. He fumbles a shotgun snap. They lose the ball, and they end up losing the game. And he thought, oh, my gosh, that's it. Tanner's reporting, Tanner Hayworth, that David Blau has been cut. Blau, sorry, David Blau. Not Blau. He's not a Pahanui. But uh, David Blau has been cut. But I can't see anything on these draft trackers. None of them seem to be up to date. Yeah, I saw. But but you get, I'm sorry, but my point is with this stupid show, you get attached to everybody. So this kid, Khalil Pimpleton, he's a wide receiver, Mm. super, super fast. I would think that somebody's going to pick him up just because he's super, super fast. Yeah, some of the the videos they showed, he's really, really fast. But I also like the guy, Rodrigo. Uh, Is it Malcolm Rodriguez, the linebacker out of Oklahoma, whose signing bonus? Rodriguez is his last name, and Rodrigo is his nickname. Yeah, everybody just calls him Rodrigo. Mm -hmm. I kind of got hooked on him. I think a lot of people. Well, he's good. He's not going to get cut. That guy's. That guy's going to. He's fighting for a starting position. Yeah, but I, but I mean, at the beginning of the show, you you see him getting signing up, standing up, and everybody has to announce their signing bonus. And the first guy was Aiden Hutchinson, and his was like what the thirteen million or whatever it was. The next guy is Rodrigo, and his was like was it a hundred thousand or ten thousand, something like that. And people were almost laughing. But every time you watch him, this guy is that good. And I never heard of him before. I looked him up. He's from Oklahoma, but I'm I'm kind of keeping my eyes on him. And as you said, he's going to make the team, maybe start. But he's a name I didn't know before that I definitely latched on to and I, I find that every year I, I i think the show is really really well done it just gives you behind the scenes look of what really goes on and that's what i've always wondered about for a lot of these situations so it yeah, is fun. The, he was like a third or fourth round draft choice but uh there was another guy and uh they were calling him like thor or something so he sat out that last um preseason game because they said he already made the team yeah. right they don't need to see him okay he wasn't happy though <laughs> Yeah, he wanted to play. Well, those guys want to play. Yeah, but uh, the reason you weren't playing is because you've already, you know, you got your spot. So I didn't think you'd be that upset yeah. about that part. But all right, uh, Tanner says it was just Tim Boyle got cut uh, by the Lions, so they do still have Blau. Uh, Tanner, that's two this morning already, and it's only <laughs> nineteen after the hour. Tyson Helton is the head coach for Western Kentucky football. He joins us in about fifteen minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. sunny today our trade winds are back so uh thankfully it's going to be hot again but maybe not it's not going to feel like it's 95 only about 92 in certain areas <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness october can't get here soon enough but uh, anyway we've been talking about the uh, nfl uh, cut down day today cutting down the rosters to 53 didn't uh jim jim harbaugh john harbaugh didn't john harbaugh just come out and say Brett Huntley could be the starting quarterback for any team in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, they cut him today. <laughs> I guess he has a chance not, to do that now. It's not fair. Not fair. It's not <laughs> fair. The coach said you were the starter in the league. That's not fair. 
Oh man! All right, uh, University of Hawaii. The uh, our uh, great one of our greatest fears from the preseason has uh, become reality, and uh, it seems like we don't have a starting quarterback because either I don't know. It, it, both quarterbacks do for about fifty percent completions, no interceptions. If I'm remembering correctly right, no. in the game, no interceptions. Um, so you really don't have, and I don't know if it's, you don't want a situation where both quarterbacks are bad, so you got to start one, but you don't know which one to start. I don't think that's quite the case here. I think that both quarterbacks didn't have a great game, and they're neck and neck with results from the game. If you look at stats and you remember watching the game, both quarterbacks had a couple of looked like drives. Uh, Joey Yellen had one, and then it stalled. When he first came out, uh, it stalled after that, but was moving the ball down the field for a little while. Uh, Braden Shager, the first drive of the um, game, they marched down the field and scored a touchdown. So it looks like we don't have a starting quarterback. I mean, it took all <laughs> the star advertiser – and uh, Stephen Sy wrote it, of course. It said it took eight months for the University of Hawaii football team to announce a starting quarterback. It took a day to reopen the competition, right. and it really did. So, um, you know, you have Shager, who's been there. He's got the experience. You have Joey Yellen with just a cannon of an arm, who's I think could work more, and it's a small sample size. We've seen him throw 20 passes. Uh, but I think he can work on his touch. A little bit. When you talk about, I saw someone explaining arm talent. When you talk about arm talent, it doesn't mean you just have a strong arm. You have a strong arm, but you have good touch. Joey Yellen, at least in that first game, uh, didn't show that he has both. Yeah, I think both quarterbacks, ironically, maybe, is that both did a first drive is one of their best drives. Shager in the touchdown drive in the beginning of the game in the first quarter and Yellen in the beginning of the third quarter. I would, I wish Yellen would have been able to play at least a full half. I, I mean, Shager played the full half, didn't do well. They replace him. Yellen, what, like a quarter and a half or something like that. I wonder what the reasoning was behind that. Uh, and I think they just wanted to score. Both quarterbacks stalled out. But if you're giving Remember somebody now, McDonald's has given him five hundred dollars a touchdown. <laughs> it's like, hey, go we're gonna lose this game, but see how much money we can get. True, that's probably one of the priorities there. I wonder also if we'll see Cam Cooper this week as well, because there was talk that we might see him in short a yardage situation around the goal line. You know, I like well, McDonald's around the goal line ago. first. That yeah, that's I don't true. know. I kinda like Diedrich Parson around the goal line. Not based on Saturday as much. And besides the fumble beside, you can't really say besides. He had a really good game, I thought, moving the ball. But That was uh, freak. That, but that was freak. It's not what the yeah. guy does. The guy's not the guy the guy's not Wendell Tyler. Whoa! Oh, how's that? <laughs> You're coming up with some great ones today. Oh, man. From, from yesteryear, whatever they call it. Uh but I do want to see again a team that is favored by more on paper. They're better than Vanderbilt, even though it's not SEC. I, I hope they can make some adjustments. Again, whether it's just a play calling or starters or personnel, 
and see if they can show some signs of improvement. You know, there's one way of looking at this game. You know, if you take away the two fumbles, which you can't take away, but those were kind of freak plays, 10 men on the field. I know you, you a lot of people use the term it's correctable, it's fixable, but some of those plays were freak plays. I don't think that would be the norm, game in, game out, to have those kind of scooping scores and 10 men on the field leading to a touchdown. Not to say that Vanderbilt wouldn't have scored in that drive anyway, but I, I want to see how much they can improve in certain areas this week. And it, it wasn't – you know, I know what some people are saying, here we go again. We didn't have a good team. We knew it. Not a lot of people, but some. I still think there's, there's talent on this team. And, I, you know, I know I predicted 7-6 and six just for fun because I don't like to predict with oh, these situations. Oh, now it was just for fun. I said it last week. Don't now you laugh at me. Fun. That's oh. not fair. But that's okay. You know, in look, we couldn't we, – we dropped the offense, dropped a lot of balls. The um, defense – I've never seen, including the announcer uh, the na- on the national television, you know, how many guys miss tackles? I mean, you know, overrunning your opponents. That's in yeah. the paper, by the way. But, I mean, you know, it was like it was it was horrible. And it was almost like they just lost their minds and got desperate. You know what? They were playing out of desperation. They were playing out of place of panic uh, when that third quarter came along because – you know what was it 21 to 10 at the half yes, was that the score yes. you know and you're still in it basically at that point but it's already starting after that first drive Hawaii's offense didn't look any good and then they just started pouring it on i mean 600 yards in offense the defense gave up i think part of that might have been you're not going to see that hopefully again where they get into a situation and the players are just running around with their you know chickens without a head you know they're just it was just i think they got desperate and they got very very sloppy and they couldn't tackle anybody in the arm tackles because you're overrunning the guy and you're reaching back to try and tackle him well he's going to run right through your arms yeah, I mean, one thing, they do play Vanderbilt on the road next year. Not that that matters this year, but I wonder what they'll be as far as a, maybe a payback game and see if they can improve in that area. But hopefully week by week they'll improve. And some of that, again, you would think might just be where we don't have the talent like we once had and with all these new players. Again, the 52 players, new players, whether it's 51 to 53, that's an awful lot. Lost a lot of talent, not making excuses. I, I do hope, again, they can improve every single week. And, and get better. I know Michigan is one you just kind of throw out because you know that's going to be the extreme of the teams that we play, the best team by far. Uh, but for Western Kentucky, a good team, and you know they didn't win by a whole lot last week in their opener against Austin P, only by 11. Uh, but they do have a big offense. They have I'm a great quarterback. Looking, but I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking at Western Kentucky on paper. They have a really good quarterback, and they got some receivers with speed. And, uh, you know, I don't know what happened in that game because I only saw the fourth quarter. But, man, that was a – that's a it's a pretty talented team coming here. They're comparing the quarterback to Patrick Mahomes as far as his creativity on the field. And uh, Hawaii's – you know, I'm sure Hawaii's seen the film already, and they're going, whoa. We're, we, you know, we we got to make sure defensive we, we come at it. Yeah, and we'll find more about Western Kentucky and the Hilltoppers as their coach Tyson Helton will be joining us in just a few minutes. On ESPN Honolulu, we invite you to call the coach with Timmy Chang tomorrow night, 6 o'clock at Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii. Coach Chang and John Veneri, and hopefully you come on down and join us. We're going to talk more on Western Kentucky football with their head coach, like Gary said. It's next on ESPN Honolulu.
Gary Dixon and Chris Hart here on ESPN Honolulu getting ready for week one and Hawaii's second football game against Western Kentucky. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu, the former University of Hawaii assistant coach, now the head coach for Western Kentucky, Tyson Helton is with us. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Is this the first time you've been back to Hawaii since you coached here? Uh, no, I've been several times, and um, but it'll be fun to get back. It's probably been a couple of years since I've been back, and looking forward to getting back. You coached here as a grad assistant in 2000. June Jones was the head coach, and then special teams coach for until 2003. You were you were a coach on the team that Timmy Chang was the quarterback on. How ironic is that? You guys both as a head coach right now. What do you remember about Timmy Chang, the player, when you were coaching here? Well, just a spectacular player. Um, you know, I can remember when he broke the all-time passing record and broke Ty Detmer's record. And um, not only a great player, but a great person. I can remember when he did that, running over, handing his dad the ball on the sidelines. And Timmy always thought about others in, in front of himself. And, uh, you know, so it's great. I'm really happy for him that he's the head coach at Hawaii. And, and uh, you know, June kind of got it all started and, and, and got uh, – Hawaii football on the map, and then, you know, Nick Rolovich came in there and got it going again, and I know Timmy's going to get it going again as well. Let's talk a little bit about your team. You come in with the win last Saturday against Austin Pete, 38-27. Your quarterback, we've heard so many great things about, didn't disappoint at all, and Austin Reed, 20 of 34, four touchdowns. Talk about his performance in week zero. He did a good job, you know, good, a solid first start. Uh, obviously, we need to take a big step from game one to game two, but I uh, thought he managed the offense well. And, you know, Austin's a guy that's got a big, strong arm, and he's got a quick trigger, and, um, you know, he can throw it all around the park. And, but he's still developing as well as a quarterback. And uh, so hopefully in game two he can take another big step there. But they're really happy he's our quarterback. For the fans getting to see Western Kentucky this Saturday for the first time, can you talk about your offense overall, what you run? Uh, well, we like to throw it, obviously. Uh, every year you change, you know, and you got to put your best 11 out there. And I think we got some, some good skill players. But whatever the defense gives us, that's what we'll try to take advantage of. And uh, you got to have a good mixture of run and pass, depending upon, you know, the, the defensive looks and all those things. But, uh, you know, we, we're a tempo offense, and, you know, we, we're, we're not going mock two all the time, but uh, we like to try to mix up the tempos and kind of keep the defense on their toes if we can. We're talking with Western Kentucky head football coach Tyson Hilton with the Animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. When you talk about some of the skill position players, I saw the performance of wide receiver Daywood Davis, six catches for 124 yards and a touchdown. He had a special game last weekend. Yeah, he's uh, our guy that can kind of take the top of it, off of it, you know, very deep vertical threat. Um, he showed that again last week, and uh, we got to be able to utilize him in that area just to kind of keep the coverage as soft as we can. And, uh, you know, another guy, um, Malachi Corley, had, you know, three touchdown catches and did some great things in, in the game, and so he's another guy for us. And so, uh, you know, those guys, as long as they're out there playing um, – we feel good about what, what we can accomplish offensively. I always uh, enjoyed some of the really creative nicknames in college sports and college football, of course. And you've got a linebacker nicknamed the Donut. 
13 tackles, <laughs> two and a half sacks for Jacques Evans, Jacques Evans last Saturday. Talk about his nickname. First of all, how did he get that? Well, you know, when we recruited him, that's what his nickname was. I First time I ever met him, I called him by his name, and he said, Coach, you can just call me Donut. And I said, how did you get the name Donut? And he said, when I was young, I was kind of pudgy, so everybody called me Donut, and so the name stuck. And Obviously, he's a good football player. And uh, so that's uh, he had a really good first game, and, and uh, hopefully he can continue that momentum into the second game. When you prepare for the University of Hawaii this Saturday and you see the tape for Hawaii versus Vanderbilt from last weekend, what are your overall thoughts on how Hawaii looked? Well, I think they're a very talented football team. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think they got weapons of their own. I know we're talking about our players, but they have good skill players on offense. I really like the running back. He's a very explosive player. They got a big physical offensive line. You know, those guys look tied together really, really well. I think, you know, the quarterbacks do a nice job managing the offense. And then defensively, I think, you know, they fly around and, and they're, and they're uh, very aggressive. And so I, I expect this to be a four-quarter game. I expect this to be a really good football uh, game between two good teams that are trying to go out there and get a win. And, you know, sometimes when you play games, the ball just doesn't bounce your way. I think back to the last week watching the film, uh, the running back, had two fumbles, but, you know, I mean, the guy put the helmet right on the ball, the ball pops out, you know, it's just bad luck. You know, you, you don't have those plays. It might have been a different game. So uh, I think they're going to be a really good football team. I think they're going to grow uh, from week one to week two and uh, expect a really, really good challenging game. As of right now, we don't know, and I'm sure you don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be for the University of Hawaii. How does that affect your preparation without knowing who who it'll be, but based on maybe last week's film? Well, I think whoever it is that um, whoever they play, they got three good quality quarterbacks, and uh, whoever they play, they can win the game for them. So for us, it really doesn't matter who that guy's going to be. Uh, I think they all throw the ball uh, very solid. I think they manage the offense well. Unfortunately for the quarterbacks last week, you know, when Hawaii got behind, they were having to catch up and probably throw it more than they wanted to, and, and that makes it a tough day at the park for a quarterback because the defense gets to just play coverage. So, uh, But I was impressed with what the quarterbacks did, and I thought there's a lot there. And, um, you know, so they, I think they can win the game very easily. So whoever runs out there is going to be challenging for us. Western Kentucky head football coach Tyson Helton joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. We get ready for the game on Saturday night at 6 o'clock at T.C. Chain Complex. Coach, what are your thoughts about college football overall with all the realignment and how it might look, especially for the group of five schools in a few years? Well, we'll see. You know, I, I think, like anything, you got to adapt. As You know, you just can't stay stagnant. and. I think we'll look back in a couple of years when all the realignment happens and things settle. I think it'll be good for college football. I think there'll be new rivalries. Um, you know, I think everybody's worried now about, well, there's going to have two mega conferences and all that. But I think there's room for everybody uh, still once everything settles. And, you know, the biggest thing for, for schools like a Western Kentucky or, or a Hawaii, you know, it, the big thing is just, win and win and, and go to bowl games and per, perform well and win those games and win championships. And, you know, you, you put your brand out there and you'll always be recognized that way. Hawaii's always done that, you know, think back to, you know, when they went to New Year's six bowl several years ago and with uh, Colt Brennan and, 
you know, Western Kentucky's done that. You know, we've had some record-setting years and some big ball wins and, and championship wins. So, you know, there's I think there's room for everybody. And uh, it may look a little different. The landscape might look a little different in a couple of years. But uh, I think at the end of the day, it all will fit and work out nicely. Last question for you, Coach, and thank you for your time. When you get off the plane in Honolulu this week, what is the first meal you will have? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. I love Spam should be. I like good plate lunch. Um, you know, uh, I learned pokey. You know, I never had pokey till I became a grad assistant, and now I love it. So I don't know. It's all good. The, the culture's great. The food's great. I'm just going to take it all in. Well, looking forward to a great game on Saturday night. Coach, thanks again for joining us. Good luck this week and all season long. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you having me. All right, thank you so much. Football coach for Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, Tyson Helton, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> and what's your favorite color? All right, it's uh, he has a good point. What I take away from that is what we should be talking about for University of Hawaii football, and he mentioned it, is, you know, how, you you got to make the improvement from game one to game two. That's where you see a lot of improvement uh, or you hope to see the most improvement, Bobby Curran would always say, you know, from game one to game two. So hopefully, like I, I, he mentioned it, and we said it on the onset of the show, um, that um, you have to kind of, it's, I think it was because so many freak things happened at once, I think our defense, they just got a little panicked. Either that or this is the worst defense in the history of mankind, and I don't think that's what it is. Me either. Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll be back with more coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. We'll check your traffic. All right. Hey, it's the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, we got more on uh, University of Hawaii in Western Kentucky coming up. The uh, um, Open champion this year, Cameron Smith. Cam Smith, young guy, number two in the world, has left the PGA Tour, along with guys that are just looking for a paycheck. Although I like Joaquin Neiman, six guys uh, left. Harold Varner the third, meh. Cameron Tringali, meh. Mark Leishman, uh, Anirban Lahiri, who I've only seen on TV like once. So a bunch of um, role players, if you will, have left, but they lose Cam Smith. Now, a lot of guys going to the Live Tour were guys, you know, in between getting older but too young for the uh, Champions Tour. Smith is in his 20s. He's 29 years old. This is the biggest blow today to the pga tour as far as uh defectors so we'll have to we'll get more into that coming up we don't have time now but anyway we'll check your uh traffic here we have got our top stories and buy or sell coming up on espn honolulu now from the paxa studios in downtown honolulu the bobby curran show on espn honolulu How much is a senior coffee? How much is a senior tanner? 
Do you know for a fact how much are senior coffees at McDonald's? I thought it was a dollar. See, that's a pretty good deal because if you go on the McDonald's app right now, uh, they have uh, coffee. Um, it's just ninety nine cents. Without being a senior, apparently. Yeah, I, I feel robbed. It's like, hey, you know, that's for because you have to. What do you have to be fifty five plus? A lot of places have different, like either fifty five or sixty. It depends. Mm. All right, uh, top stories uh, that we are following. We'll get to that in a second. But, hey, let's get into a little uh, buy or sell here on ESPN Honolulu. Go for it. The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. Glad I get to have that senior experience as a 22-year-old. So let's go ahead and jump straight into Buy or Sell today. It won't be the McDonald's mm-hmm. coffee that we're going to be talking uh-huh. about in this segment. But the Eagles have made some moves today as they trade a fifth and a sixth-round pick for the Saints' starting nickelback, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Now, Gardner-Johnson has been infamous for his mouth. He's gotten a lot of receivers thrown out of games for throwing punches at him, and he's going to be oh. joining an Eagles squad that has added a lot of to, a lot to their defense this offseason, including pass rusher Hassan Reddick, Giants quarterback James Bradbury, and including the two draft picks of Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean, uh-huh. buy or sell, the Philadelphia Eagles will be a top two seed in the NFC this year. Uh, I'll sell that. Top two, you said? Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them being better than the Rams. I don't see them <laughs> no, better I did. than a whole bunch of teams. <laughs> Green Bay, um, maybe even Dallas. All Yeah, top two is asking for a lot. That's an easy sell. Uh, I'm selling that. I'm not convinced that Jalen Hurts is going to make them a top two seed. Sell. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Yesterday, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers came into agreement with a kind of one-year restructure of the last year of Jimmy Garoppolo's deal. Basically, what it means is Jimmy Garoppolo will be a 49er this year, and there is a no-trade clause and a no-tag clause. So that means after, the, like I just said, after this year, Jimmy Garoppolo will most likely, for sure this time, not be a 49er after this regular season. Buy or sell, this Jimmy G contract is a win-win for the 49ers and Garoppolo. I'll sell that as well. That's, a, that's not a win-win at all. I think they kind of screwed this whole thing up where if they kept their mouth shut, they probably could have gotten the trade for him and gotten something in return. They don't want him. They've made that clear. They've made that obvious. Some of the bad-mouthing on there and about how he doesn't return calls, texts, doesn't show up for meetings, things like that, and now they're stuck with him. I think it's a big lose-lose. Selling. I think it's I think it's a win-win because you got him as insurance – under uh, Trey Lance, uh, this will be his first year of starting in the NFL. Here's a guy you always want a, an experienced. Uh, a, you want a backup quarterback who has a lot of starting experience, and well, that's Jimmy Garoppolo. It was why Marcus Mariota was so valuable as a backup quarterback wherever he went. They paid him a lot of money, and he's making kind of like seven million dollars, six million, whatever it is. And you know, if he gets playing time, it could be up to nine million dollars. So that's beside the point. The point is, it's a win-win because Jimmy Garoppolo gets to go out on his own after this and find a team, and someone will sign him. But this year, he's going to be a backup quarterback, and, you know, quarterbacks always get hurt. The 49ers are in great shape. 
I think Jimmy Garoppolo's future is in great shape, so I'm buying. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Sideline reporter for the NFL Network, Cynthia Freeland, had a run-in with Baker Mayfield last week after the game, said, hey, you know, I'm excited to see you go out there and kick some butt. Of course, a different word was used instead of butt. And Baker simply responded back, I'm going to F them up in reference to week one for the Carolina Panthers as they take on the Cleveland Browns. Buy or sell, the Browns and Panthers will be must-watch material in week one. I'll buy that. I think it is going to be interesting to watch. I don't know if he's going to do exactly what he hopes to do to them because, remember, it's Baker Mayfield and it's Carolina. But I think a lot of people, either they want to see it or not, but you don't want to miss it. So I think it is must-see TV viewing. I don't know what games it'll be up against and at the same time, but, yeah, I'm really interested in that game without being a fan of either team, so I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I just think it's uh, entertainment, and that's what we watch sports for, right? It's entertainment. After, you know, the Carolina Panthers start getting blown out by halftime, it's not as entertaining, but I'll, I'll watch that. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. That's today's Buy or Sell on ESPN Honolulu. All righty then. Top stories we're following today. University of Hawaii football is, uh, well, they still got a quarterback battle on hand. And uh, they're going to have, we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. I have a feeling it's uh, the, the starting quarter. We're going to see both quarterbacks again this game. Unless one of these quarterbacks goes in and starts moving the ball up and down the field, I think we'll see both. To me, if you're going to see more than one, why not all three? Or if you're going to see only two, at least give Cam Cooper a chance. If it was that close in camp with the battle of starting quarterback and nobody has really separated themselves as of yet, why not give Cam Cooper a chance? So I know three is a lot. Uh, but maybe if it's only yeah. two, if it's if it is two, maybe he's one of them. I don't know that we're so desperate that we play three quarterbacks in a game. I mean, something's got to separate these guys in practice, right? And something tells me that it's up to it's that Cam Cooper is uh, he, he's not in the conversation here. Well, he was in the conversation two three weeks ago, and I don't know what he did to lose that status, so to speak. But I mean, if you're going to give people, if you're going to share the load. Why not give him at least a chance to play to prove himself? I I, I wish it could be that way. Because it's not the preseason. This is a reg, This is a. This is the, the results matter. If if Coach Timmy says that, hey, you know what? It's between two, these two guys. I kind of got to trust him on that. I would too. But if you're gonna, if you're going to go with more than one, if you think two are going to play, why why not give him a chance? I know it's not preseason or anything like that. But none of the other guys have really shown yet. So if they haven't played that well, why why not give him a chance to play for a half maybe or even a quarter or so? Again, because it's not preseason. <laughs> if, if this is your third best guy, why are you putting him out there? Let him let him show himself in practice, although he probably doesn't get the amount of reps that he gets anyway. Uh, other stories we're following, uh, Cam Smith and six more PGA golfers are leaving for the riches of the Live Tour can really blame them for the money part of it i think a lot of people would do that except maybe the guys making a lot of money in the pga tour but it's a lot different than it was when the live tour first started and people were skeptical of them getting some big name not the biggest names but little by little they are getting some of the significant players on the pga tour especially with cam smith okay and the nfl uh, cut down day to uh, the 53-man roster and the 16-man practice squad uh, cut down day is today. Do you know what time they have to cut them down by? 
I thought it was 10 a.m. our time. I thought it was a 4 p.m. deal. Oh, okay. Eastern, so. I, I mean, like the Steelers have cut like 40 guys. Other teams look like they've cut about n- nine guys, and they got to get down. Uh, a couple of uh, guys with Hawaii ties have been let go. Yeah, uh, Bradley and I with the New York Jets. Dallas released him last year, and he had that scoop and score, a sack and a scoop and score in an exhibition game two weeks ago, and he was waived today. Hopefully they'll resign him to the practice squad or somebody will pick him up. Keith Kirkwood, former UH receiver, was uh, Carolina, and he was waived today as well. Those are the only two players with Hawaii ties today. Cortez Davis was waived last week by Arizona. And Alex is calling in on the phone at 808-296-1420. Welcome to the show, Alex. Is it still the sports animals early in the morning? Yes, sir. <laughs> good job, good job. <laughs> hey, um, you know, um, the Cam Cooper, isn't he the quarterback that came from Washington? Um, was Washington, State. Washington State. Washington State. Oh, yeah. He, he was there. And he was, was he the four-star recruit? Was he a four-star guy? That seems that sounds familiar to me. Yes, I know they had a four-star recruit guy that came over, but he yeah, that was Kevin yeah. Cooper. Yeah, we, we, when you, if you went to practice and you saw, you was like, "Whoa, good kid, though." Oh, uh, but yeah, I, I, I believe yeah, he, the coach, uh, you know, he he's watching the practice. There's a reason why he's not a he's a third the third wheel in the chair um, uh, during a during a game. We can can hang our hats on that. Um, yeah, what do you about, and there's a reason. Uh, and there's a reason. There's a reason Cooper's not at Washington State. There you go. I, you know, I want to be nice to the guy a little bit. You know, you know, be nice mm-hmm. to him. He deserves. Anyway, oh, we're um, being nice hey, to him. It's just reality. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Hey, what do you guys think about the flow of the offense? Uh, uh, you know, we had one one great run, um, and. Um, what do you guys think about the uh, the offense? Uh, you know, what do you guys like about how the offense was running and whatnot this week? Hey, listen offline. Are you on your way to work? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How, how's the traffic? Where are you? Oh man, the traffic was bad in Neville Beach all the way down to to Pearl City. <laughs> oh man, well, hang in there. Hey, thanks for calling in. The uh, so his question was, what did you think about the flow of the offense? I I think I think it was more of a lack of flow. In this first game, look, we we got a we, we got a lot to work on, and uh, like uh, Coach Elton said a little while ago for Western Kentucky, hope to see what we can hope to see is big improvement from game one to game two, and that almost sounds like a cliche, but it's really what we, we, we you know if we get a couple of drives, you know three or four sustained drives, that's improvement. I think that's what we're looking for, aren't we? Yeah, and as far as the flow of the game, I mean the flow of the offense. I thought the offense had. You know, they had the up-tempo at time. 358 yards wasn't what Vanderbilt had, of course. That's not a bad start. I mean, you'd want to maybe a little bit more if you're going to be able to win a lot of games. But still, that's not awful. I thought the offense did okay. The passing numbers, again, 50% completion basically should have been better. Hopefully that will improve. But overall, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't call it an awful game. I don't want to keep on pointing to last year, but I will at times. I think Wait, the offense scored, at times looked better than last points. year's offense. They scored 10 points, and they had one sustained drive in the entire game. I know. I'm talking about I – that's why I didn't mention points. Well, I think they had a good drive in the third quarter, but oh, talk about the flow. Good, the, I mean, I thought they moved the ball up and down a little bit, but they just weren't able to convert, and they turned the ball over. And, again, 358 yards is not that bad, but they didn't put up because, points. Be, because we had the ball so much because they scored so quickly. 
I think that I don't I don't know the it, it's uh, to me a flow is you're in rhythm you're marching the ball down the field right 808-296-1420 uh, you can text or call in on the Zephyr insurance text line but yeah I didn't think the flow was uh, that good at all it, we couldn't really we couldn't really open and up things downfield right you didn't it was um you know just dinks and dunks and stuffed runs I thought our offense can do a lot better Third down conversion was five of sixteen. You'd want that to be better, uh, but but you talk oh, about yeah. the, you talk about the team having that many yards because of the, having the ball so often when Vanderbilt scored a lot. But we had the ball twenty eight minutes, twenty eight and change, so it was less than half the game. So, right. So what, but but what I'm getting at, Gary, is is that you watched the game. You were at the game. You yeah. watched the game. How many? How many? To me, did the did the did we play with a rhythmic offense? Were we, were we, uh, you know, like a well-oiled machine? Absolutely no. not. No, no we weren't. Well-oiled weren't. machine. That's the answer to that question. <laughs> All right, let's go to the uh, text line at 808-296-1420. And let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Thank you guys for texting in. The uh, We were talking about, um, we we're, oh, you're talking about uh, big names who were released and Mostert, what's Mostert's first name? Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Raheem Mostert got cut by Miami. By Miami. Wow. So he got he got cut by Miami today, and I said, well, he's not a big name. It's a guy that you might have seen because he's been on the 49ers on national TV. But um, uh, Skyler Texan says Mostert led the 49ers led the 49ers to the Super Bowl. By, uh, it says, treating it up. I guess teeing it up against the Packers in the NFC Championship. Come on, Chris. He's a pretty big name. Come on, Chris. Yeah. When did they go to the Super Bowl? What year? 2000. Was it 18 or 19? I don't know. Um, against KC. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, Raheem Mostert has played in the league for one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven years and has gained 629 yards. Not a big name. In his career? I must be looking at something wrong here. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. But yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Those are return yards. Uh, let's see. He has, he averages. Anyway, I don't find his stats. Oh, okay. There you go. In, um, in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, he's gained 1,600 yards. That's a big star. Woo! It's a return get me that yardage, Chris. Come on. No, no, it. this is rushing yardage, Gary. I know. 1,600 yards. I know the return yardage 1600- is what makes him a big name. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, somebody texted in here. The best part of the game was the green. <laughs> oh, the, the concert, I guess. Yes. We look like, and there's an emoji. Yes. What emoji? It's a brown emoji. Okay. <laughs> I heard the concert uh, oh, was here's great. The, Jimmy G was too busy doing subway commercials to call back the 49ers. Well, he was he was in pouting mode. Of course he didn't call them back. That's what they do. Uh, Texter says, for once I agree with Chris, trust the coaches, Gary. Trust the coaches. I've been saying that forever. Can't, well, except when talking about the backup quarterback situation at UH. Cam Cooper and Joey Yellen 
were four stars. Wow, Joey Yellen was a four-star quarterback too, huh? I guess. I know he went to Arizona State before Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Right on. Anyway, uh, the Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420. And uh, we have Jamie Eisenberg uh, back on the show. He's going to join us to talk some NFL at the bottom of the hour. At 820, uh, Little League World Champion Coach Gerald Oda is going to be here. And if you missed our conversation last hour with uh, Tyson Helton, he's the head coach for Western Kentucky. We'll do an animal rewind of that about 830 this morning, too on uh, ESPN Honolulu. We'll be right back. All right, it's National Slinky Day. Oh, it only comes around once a year. We celebrate the Slinky today. All right, 808-296-1420 if you want to uh, call in the show or text the Zephyr Insurance Text line and John's been holding on. How's it, John? Oh, we lost John. John, call back if you would. And uh, let's see here what the text line says. Uh, wondering why Yellen left Pittsburgh when he was the backup? Wouldn't he have the inside track on starting this season? I wondered about that as well because we know where Kenny Pickett went. That maybe, I mean, I don't, I think the offensive coordinator left. Mark Whipple went to Nebraska. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. he lost his receiver. Jordan Addison went to USC. Other than that, I don't know why. I don't know who his competition was, but that was a little surprising with the starter going in the draft that maybe he'd be next man up. I don't know if it was a coaching change or anything else, but that was a little surprising at the time. But we're glad. It's good for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, the um, There's a good uh, article by Stephen Sy in the star advertisers talking about Braden Shager and Joey Yellen as they're going to compete for the, uh, you know, they're still competing for the starting quarterback job. And they're also, he's also interviewing Jacob Yoro. And for these coaches, I'm guess it's like reading the article here. It's like right after the game, they probably just went to talk to the team and they went back up to the offices to work, to watch film. But it must've been, it must've been hard, you know, watching, Hawaii's defensive effort because you practiced all this time. Now, granted, they got hired a little late in the process, right? Was it January? Yeah. January where they got hired. But, you know, would it made of that much more difference if they got hired earlier? I don't know how it works. For recruiting, you get better it better recruits. Been. Yeah. But the uh, it's just the tackling performance and we've seen that with june jones teams we've seen that in in the beginning of the season with june jones teams because they don't tackle a whole lot in practice june jones has more of a professional outlook where they're doing a lot of walkthroughs or not a lot of hitting in practice in this team they've had a number of scrimmages and hitting and and stuff but these players came out and they just for for the life of me they for the life of them they just couldn't tackle I noticed when I went that they had about maybe 15, 20 minutes on tackling fundamentals and tackling drills, and it looked like things were working out well. I was even noting that that was a pretty long time to spend on tackling, maybe because a lot of new players and based on the last year or two, but they didn't show on Saturday, that's for sure. It was a different team defensively. But if you're in high school and you're a star player in high school, which these guys probably are, right? They're playing Division One college football. If you're a star player in high school, Aren't you a pretty good tackler? 
Did you, you forget think... how to tackle when you went from high school to college? You don't forget. I don't know what the reason would be. And I was with uh, Arnold Martinez for part of the first half, and he was even noting that these guys were just they're trying to tackle too high. There was not, they weren't going to get the tackles when they were going for the shoulders, the shoulder pads, that they had to get a little lower. And he noted that several times in the first half, at least, and that was hurting Hawaii. But you know, I don't know how, overall how much time they spent, but it looked like, again, when I was looking, they spent significant time on that. But, and, again, I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be that much better than we thought. We're going to see more of how they are in the SEC, of course. But I'm hoping that they can straighten this out. Again, what Tyson Helton said, and we've talked about improving week in, week out. And if it's fundamentals as far as that one portion, they should be able to – again, it's, you hear the term so often, it's fixable, it's correctable. Yeah, a lot of things are. doesn't mean they always are uh, <laughs> improved in those areas. But I am interested to see how they do progress on defense, game in and game out. Again, throw Michigan out when that game comes up in a week or two. But for a group of five team this week and then an FCS team coming up after Michigan and Duquesne. Yeah. We want to see – really just take it – I think as fans we got to take this one game at a time. Because it, it wasn't just defense. It was offense. I mean, you all, you, you, all those drops – you know, we look at Shager and Yellen and say, well, they both threw for 50% completion. But what would it have been if we didn't have all the drops? Maybe they look a little better. I didn't James keep... Phillips dropped a lot of balls. Yes, I didn't keep track. Are you, are you thinking that it was like more than six or seven overall for the game? Yes. Okay, okay. I didn't think I mean, it was it's, it's on the stat sheet. It's on the stat sheet. I mean, it doesn't say drop balls, oh. but how many times they've been targeted and how many completions they have. Um, there's a lot of them. Now, some are, you know, the ball's overthrown when they're throwing down the field right. and things like that. But the um, it was, you know, the, it's the, the two frustrating things that are easiest for fans to see, drop balls and missed tackles. That's, I think, what was a, a little frustrating uh, if you were, uh, you know, just watching as a fan. I think also nowadays you're not going to win too many college football games when you're only passing at 50% completion. That That's... Mm-hmm. That's too low. That's not going to get the job done, which kind of results in the 10 points that they have. And yeah. the touchdown you know was thought, on a nice run. Yeah, I thought Vanderbilt also, though. But Vanderbilt, they were um, they were, they, they were covering our receivers, like, really well, I thought. They, they, they were. And we know they were bigger than us, at least on the line. Uh, maybe we're oh, not going to see a team as strong or as physical the rest of the year. But, I mean, well, again, besides what Michigan. Do you mean? You'll see. You'll see it against Fresno State. You'll see it against San Jose State, where our our defensive line that was frustrating because if you watch, I wish they would replay some of these games. They don't on CBS, right? Right. And I think on Spectrum they only replay it if you win the game. Is that right? I've heard. I'd like that, to yes. see. Yeah, I'd like to see. I think they replay it like once, even if it's a loss, like later at night or Sunday morning or something like that. But um. Because you can't tell on the radio unless the uh, the analyst says, "Hey, the lines are, the lines getting blown back." There were times in the in the second half where it was just so obvious when they just started running away with uh, rushing the ball. It was just I mean I'm not used to seeing Blessman to Allah just going backwards. That was tough. That was tough to watch. You know, we didn't have any sacks. I know you we, we, you always bring up, and rightfully so, a pass rush. Well, we didn't really have enough of that on Saturday. Uh, they had three sacks. We had zero. Well, I mean, the guy didn't pass that much. He had 21 attempts the entire game. That's, that's one of the reasons. Well, they had 28 pass attempts the whole game as a team. The other quarterback oh, came in. I've, I forgot about 
A.J. Swan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there, because why go back and pass? They're gaining 400 yards on the ground. There's no need to pass the ball anymore. And after a while, I think their you know, coach was like, hey, you know what? Let's just, you know, take our starters out and go ahead and put in the backup. And after a while, they were just running the ball. Yeah, that's, why well, the game, a- that's why we lost only seven to nothing in the fourth quarter. They uh, they um, called off the dogs. Yeah, right. Hundred and ninety-seven yards passing though for the whole game. That's not. I mean, that's enough where you hope you want to have more of a pass rush, right? In a game where you win sixty-three to ten, you usually have more than uh, two hundred yards passing. Yama's on the line. Hi, Yama. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Hi. good morning. Hey, um. Obviously, nice meeting you, Gary, the other day, and uh, I think I just talked to Tanner for the first time, but uh, just to kind of go on over to UH, uh, just to talk about, um, sorry, the navigation went went off, Um, just to talk talk about UH football, I just think that, you know, obviously, like, consistency at the quarterback position is something that will always be key for us, and will always be something that's key for any team. And whenever you start throwing in two quarterbacks, right, because the first one is failing, you know that you have a problem with the first one because you don't know what you have there. And I think that's pretty much evident in what we saw is the lack of consistency, the lack of ball placement. And I know there was drops, but even with those drops probably added on to their completion rates, it still was pretty um, an abysmal performance. And that's just because maybe hopefully it's just because, like, the lack of reps but I just I didn't really see anything that excited me. Like Schrager, I know, got in like last year um, when uh, Cordero got hurt. And I just remember not being really impressed with just how he moved in the pocket and how he was able to basically distribute the ball. And the same thing for the other kid. I don't even know his name, number 18. Um, he got a little bit going. I mean, uh, there was like a fourth and one. He got us to like a fourth and one kind of like maybe later in the third quarter. And then we didn't convert on a handoff up the middle. And uh, from there, I just kind of, like, started to now. So that was really tough to watch. That was really tough to watch. And then all the missed tackles. Um, but it starts with, the, you know, the quarterback, right? I mean, a QB can set the tone for an entire game. If they, if they light it up or if they're just really – they're hitting their targets. I mean, everybody gets excited. It can change the tone and it can change how the defense wants to play because they know they're not getting smacked, you know, 28 to 10 by the time the second half starts rolling around and they can feel the game getting away. And so, you know, I, I just, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I talked to Gary about this the first time I'm, you know, met him for my first time last time I met him for the first time in my life. You know, I don't, I haven't really gotten excited about a QB, you know, since Colt Brennan. And then there, you know, I know that's way in the past, but then, you know, even like, you know, I think, you know, we really need a Bryant Moniz or another Cole McDonald to become competitive, and I just don't, I just don't think unreal. these two guys are it. And, All right. Um, hey, the last, thank, and then I'm and just going to leave you guys with can I, let me just, Real quick, Yamas. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, real quick. Go ahead and finish up. Okay, and then I'm going to hang up. Um, I wanted to ask if you guys can answer me this. Jimmy G has been a, a pretty damn good quarterback, if you think about it. He led the, the 49ers to the Super Bowl in 2019, went 13-3, and three. They have an off year in 2020, uh, 2020, but that's because he's injured. Comes back in 2021, they have a nine and seven, nine, nine and eight record, whatever, with the extra mm-hmm. game, and they right. they go to the NFC Championship. Why is everybody so? Why do people want to get rid of their good quarterbacks in the in the NFL? 
right. Have a good day, guys. All right. Thank you very much. You have a good day, too. And, uh, yeah, because uh, to me, a bird in the hands worth two in the bush, but they're always going for the two in the bush. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk with Jamie Eisenberg. Maybe he has a reason why. Then we'll get back to your texts and calls at 808-296-1420. Don't forget, call the coach with Timmy Chang. It's happening tomorrow at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua Shopping Center at 6 p.m. Come on down and support. You can't do the whole Broadahood thing and then jump off the Broadahood thing. The Broadahood thing is brought us for life so join us at ruby tuesday thanks to our sponsors ruby tuesday hawaii ibew local 1186 hawaiian financial federal credit union hawaii pacific health paxa and hgea jamie eisenberg joins us from cbs sports now on espn honolulu Jamie, thanks for joining us, and it is cut day, which we'll get to in a minute, but uh, all these months in the offseason, a lot of the talk was on where is Jimmy G going to play next year. I don't think a lot of people had San Francisco in their pool, but now he uh-huh. will be there for next year. Your thoughts overall on that situation? I mean, I think from an NFL standpoint, it makes a ton of sense for San Francisco because you have clearly one of the most unexperienced starters that we've ever seen uh, based on how little he played in college, you know, expected to take over what is, I still think a Super Bowl roster. So, you know, the fact that they were able to make this work from their perspective is great. The fact that it's, you know, still that guy who's been their guy looking over, you know, Trey Lance's shoulder makes me a little bit concerned for his fantasy value, but I still see the upside. And so I'm still going to draft him and rank him accordingly with the hope that he becomes a top five quarterback. But, you know, one sign of uh, a struggle uh, wouldn't be surprising if they go to Jimmy D. And if Jimmy D plays well, then maybe he keeps the job for the rest of the year, which is why I think he still draft the second quarterback if he drafts Trey Lance. How do they rationalize having a guy who went to the NFC Championship game, didn't have a great game against the Rams, I don't think he's the sole reason they lost, and not only does he get a pay cut from about 26 to $6 million, I know he's got some incentive, and he's not even the starter, he gets demoted. How do they rationalize that? I think they rationalized it, you know, a year ago, a year plus ago, when they drafted Trey Lance in the top five, you know, knowing that they were going to turn the keys over to him and, and say that he was going to be their starting quarterback. I mean, obviously, Jimmy G is smart enough to understand the way it was. and You hear the stories about him, uh, you know, delaying surgery to avoid being traded, you know, so maybe he just wants to, you know, play this out and see what happens in San Francisco and then, you know, take his chances next year when there are more options hopefully available to him. Now he's also putting himself at risk of a better draft class and teams going, you know, the cheaper route as opposed to paying him who, you know, doesn't necessarily excite a lot of people. So, it's a gamble that, you know, he puts himself in a better situation. But for the 49ers, I think they just realize, okay, what gives us the most upside to win? And they clearly feel that Trey Lance is that guy. As far as the players that have been cut already today, what surprised you the most? I mean, nothing really so far. You know, I think the the Sony Michelle news is the most interesting just because we, we now get a clear idea of what the Dolphins want to do at running back with the top two guys. You know, I think that was always going to be the case as long as Mostert was healthy, that it would be an Edmonds-Mostert-Mostert-Edmonds combination. You know, one guy probably playing a little bit more on rushing downs, the other guy playing a little bit more on passing downs, but sharing the opportunity there. Um, you know, I, I think we'll find out if, uh, you know, the, one that I, the, the ones that I'm looking for, you know, I want to see Buffalo, for example, if they can move on from a James Crowder. You know, does Denzel Mims get free of the Jets? Does he have an opportunity to go somewhere? You know, some of these, you know, backfields where there's a third guy competing, you know, not necessarily a cut, but, a, you know, the trade maybe of Alexander Madison. Does that rumor come to fruition that he gets out of Minnesota and maybe has a chance to start? So, you know, really of the, of the moves that have happened, I, I guess you got to factor in also the one that happened last week with Kenyon Drake, you know, going to Baltimore. So you got that one in Baltimore and the one in Miami, those two backfields getting a little bit more 
clear with some of the situations there. I want to ask you about Denzel Mims because we heard about his trade request last week for the Jets, and then in the last preseason game on Sunday against the Giants, he has over 100 yards and I believe a touchdown. Do you think that the Jets purposely called his number more so so he wouldn't be as wanting to leave as he was last week? No, I think they're probably showcasing him. You know, I, I think that makes some sense. You know, see what you can, you know, put on tape and, and, and show that he's a player. And, you know, teams are, aren't stupid. You know, look at the LaVisca all trade, for example. You know, I think everybody around the league probably realized he was going to get cut. But the, the Panthers had some interest, but they gave a late-round pick. And so I think that's just the way things go is that, you know, you, you, you try to showcase guys, highlight guys. You know, they might be able to keep him and, and push him through, you know, their 53-man roster if there is some trade talks going on right now and, and see if somebody, you know, will actually give up a, a sixth-round pick, a seventh-round pick. You know, that would be the hope for somebody like him who I think could, you know, be a, a playmaker for another team. So uh, guys like that, you know, that you see have potential just haven't been, been taken advantage of in the current situation. You know, you hope that they get an opportunity someplace else, and I hope that's the case for him. Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports joining the animals here on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. You mentioned LaVisca Chenault. I had thought, now he's only been in the league a couple of years, three years, I think this is his third year coming up. I had thought that he was kind of making some strides and getting better, but but not the case, huh? Well, I think, you know, he's kind of in a, in a tough spot. You know, he's not a, exactly a, a burner, so he doesn't run very well. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the hope would have been is that somebody like Debo Samuel would have opened the eyes to whatever team he ends up with, you know, if he stays with the, the Panthers or, you know, what, what he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, that they could have used him in that sort of role because he clearly has the opportunity and the ability to play, uh, you know, a hybrid running back type of position. But, you know, those guys are so rare. Debo's a, a rare exception to do it at the level that he's done it at. So if he doesn't have, uh, you know, the, the, the special team's prowess and he doesn't have the speed to play on the outside, you know, if he's, if he's going to be a slot receiver, he better have great hands and stay healthy, and that's kind of been a problem for him. So, I'm hoping Carolina gives him an opportunity to make some plays. You know, we could see a situation, as we've seen the last couple of years, if, if Christian McCaffrey goes down, he steps into a bigger role. But um, he's going to really have to prove himself first before I think fantasy managers buy in for sure. Do you think the Damakong suit, excuse me, or Cole Beasley will end up with a team anytime soon? I mean, obviously, if Sue wants to play, I think he'll play. You know, Cole Beasley clearly has still the, the moniker of what, you know, his, his anti-vaccination stance was, you know, I, I hope teams will overlook that if they feel like there's a need. But, again, the NFL is, 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 a, is a league that predicates itself on speed, um, you know, and athletic ability. And he, you know, earned his role because he was just a gritty player and, and, and was with the right team at the right time and then ended up, you know, going to Buffalo after being with Dallas. So, you know, I don't know how many teams are going to covet somebody at his age at this point. But, you know, I think if the right situation arises and there's a, a coach that he has a relationship with, it wouldn't be surprised if there's an injury and he gets a role. But, I think in terms of Sue, if he wants to play, he'll play uh, for the right right amount of money. I guess it wasn't a big surprise on Saturday when we heard that Buffalo waived the rookie punter Matt Ariza out of San Diego State. What are your thoughts on how Buffalo handled the whole situation? There are some people that seem to be real critical on them not doing more, at least earlier in this scenario. You know, I I think anytime you you, you get information that a certain player or certain situation, you know, happened prior, and you find out team has knowledge of that and didn't act accordingly, you know. So if they if this had never come to light, for example, would they have just allowed it to go on, you know, into the season or, or however it would have played out, you know. So I think people are being critical that they didn't act sooner. Um, I think also part of it is, is like, you know, most people just from the casual NFL fan, they say, okay, he's a punter. Why didn't you just, you know, find somebody else that could fill that role? Um, it's not like you're talking about a star quarterback or in the case of, you know, Deshaun Watson or, you know, like an Alvin Kamara, those situations a little bit more trickier because those players are, 
are certainly more valuable to their teams. But yeah, I think if they had just handled it a little bit differently, you know, from a PR standpoint, you know, they probably wouldn't be dealing with the situations they're dealing with. And it's just, uh, you know, an unfortunate situation all the way around. Do you see a team, Jamie, that wasn't in the playoffs th- last year that you expect to make it this year? Minnesota is my favorite one. You know, I, I think you just look at the coaching change as a big, you know, uh, upgrade. Um, they have the opportunity to, uh, I think, maximize the potential of that offense, which I think Mike Zimmer kind of held back. And so, um, as long as Kirk Cousins stays healthy and, the, and their skill players stay on the field, I think the defense is going to be better and has a chance to, uh, you know, put them in contention and maybe be the best team in the division with what the Packers lost from an offensive standpoint. So, uh, I think it'll be close. You know, Green Bay is still, I think, the favorite to win the NFC North, but I think the Vikings can, can at least get a wild card. And I think if they if they get in the playoffs, as long as Kirk Cousins doesn't Kirk Cousins, they can make some noise. One of the teams we've de- kind of debated on this show is the New Orleans Saints. I- I'm not a big fan of Jameis Winston. I know he's good, but I wonder about him. But the receivers they've got are outstanding. Do you see them as a team that could be a playoff team and maybe go deep into the playoffs? You know, I wonder if Sean Payton is looking at their roster and saying he might have gotten out too soon because, uh, like you said, <laughs> Jameis is clearly the, the, the wild card. Um, but, you know, across the board, the offensive line, despite losing Toronto Armstead, still very good. Uh, Alvin Kamara seems like he's going to avoid the suspension, so you have the star running back there. Uh, you mentioned the receivers, you know, Thomas Back, the additional Balave, Jarvis Landry, I think is one of the more underrated signings this offseason, and a defense that can still make plays. They certainly have the pass rushers to get after the quarterback and, and, and the guys behind them, you know, to stop a lot of people. So it's a division that you see, you know, Tampa Bay is a little bit weaker right now with what their offensive line looks like, and, and you know, I don't think the Brady Aston is a big deal, but, you know, a lot of changes going on there. No Gronk and no center, no, 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 tack, no, no guards, excuse me. And so if the, if the Saints would typically own the Bucks and, you know, find a way to get into the, uh, the lead in the division, you know, they can make some noise in the playoffs as long as Jameis doesn't, uh, you know, have any issues that typically arise when it comes to Jameis Winston. Nine days from now, the season will start with a Thursday night opener. Can't wait for that. Jamie, thanks again for talking the NFL with us. We'll do it with Fantasy hopefully soon as well. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. All right. Thank, thank you very you. much. Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports. He's an NFL and fantasy football analyst as he joins us on ESPN Honolulu. Okay, coming up, uh, the the uh, draft tracker is in full effect. There's a lot of them going on. And I, you know what? I did mention by accident. I'm sorry. Earlier, uh, thank you for the texter, too, that texted in. I, draft, I meant that I didn't – I said that Mostert got cut by the Dolphins. It was just a – it was when we were talking about big names. I said that Mostert wasn't a big name, but he was—he didn't get cut. He was—he uh, was uh, kept by the uh, Dolphins. The Dolphins had a lot of running backs in camp, but the—you um, know—one of the things that we've—I've been watching is uh, Hard Knocks, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, this is like the first time I've really seen three episodes, and they—they they cut Gerard Davis. He was a—I believe he was. Yeah, he was a first-round draft pick five years ago and he's four out of his last five years four out of five years he's been in the nfl he's played for the lions played for the jets last year but he got cut and you know i don't know if he ends up somewhere else but i mean last year for the lions he's inside he's a uh, he had 25 tackles in nine games that's like nothing what is that two and a half tackles a game something like that no I mean, it's it's uh, actually a little bit more than less than three tackles a game, but um, you know you have got, and this is what's great about the preseason, and this is what's great about today. Today's a bittersweet day because you know you have guys getting cut and their dreams, their dreams, you know, are dashed. They've been uh, dreaming of playing in the NFL since they were little kids, and then you have great stories like the Lions. Um, 
linebacker, Malcolm Rodriguez. And here's a guy who's a sixth-round pick, and they're trying to decide if he should be a starter this year on the team. And you got these great stories like that. I, I you know, it's it's a it, it is a really just a, a bittersweet day today, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. All right, uh, what's coming up here, Gary? Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the NFL. There's some things going on in other sports as well, but I know the NFL is definitely the focus. And, of course, college football. Now we have so many big games this week. I'm looking forward to that. And especially, I guess, Ohio State and Notre Dame has got to be the marquee matchup for this Saturday. All right, we'll be back on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up in about 30 minutes, uh, Little League uh, World Champion Coach Gerald Oda is going to be joining us for a few minutes. We were talking about NFL Cutdown Day, and Gary wants to get more into that. Let me, uh, as promised, go uh, to the text line real quick before we do that at 808-296-1420. Somebody texted in, Tyson Helton. He's a former UH uh, assistant coach. He's now the head coach for Western Kentucky football. And the texter says, what is Tyson Helton to Clay Helton? Brother. They are brothers. And Clay Helton is coaching where? I believe he's at Georgia Southern this year. Okay. Former USC coach. (laughs) Okay, here's a text that says, the stadium is terrible. No space between benches. Uh, Glenn out in Kelly. There's no space in between the benches. You know what? I heard somebody else say that that it's because you're you're kind of you're packed in there a little bit, right? The uh, backrests, I guess, people with backrests, it made it less room. That's what people well, were saying. Well, if they don't yes. have a backrest, what well, your knees are going to be against somebody's back anyway. Use the person behind you as a backrest. I think that's a win-win situation. It happened with Just me like and Jerry, Jerry Tartanian. Yeah, it did a long time ago. <laughs> but the the we got, I think we get spoiled too, with Aloha Stadium and how roomy that was, and all of those big seats, you know, and uh, you know, you, we go to Aloha Stadium, you know, for all of these games. Then we go up to Sam Boyd Stadium, and sit in that stadium and go, oh gosh, this sucks. Right. And we're in the same situation for a couple of years until they build the new Aloha Stadium. But yeah, we got the bench seating right now, and that's it's it's not as luxurious. As Aloha Stadium seating was, but hey, you know what? That's our home for now. Yeah, and one, th- you know, I've been to a couple of games where in the mainland where you might be surprised, but a lot of colleges I think just have the bleacher seating. Nebraska did, and Maryland did. It's not like you have the backs like Aloha Stadium had. So I think you get more people in some of those stadiums. They're like that, and they'll rent out you know backrest as well. But that's kind of maybe more normal than maybe what some people would think. You know, we had our Twitter poll yesterday. We left it up for a little longer than normal about how would you rate the overall experience on Saturday. There were 50 people that voted, and 43% said great, all went well. Uh, there was 35% that said not as good as I'd hoped. <laughs> Maybe that was those were the skinny people or the people maybe, without maybe. long legs. 
And, you know, we had some comments, well, 22% had other, and I mentioned most of those reasons yesterday. Somebody said they wish they would have had a program lineup or roster, and the no names on the jerseys irritated him. But we heard about that later on, that they're going to have the nameplates coming in. For the rosters, and somebody else answered, is that they do have the QR code there. You can scan. I didn't see where it was. I didn't go in the, the ticket uh, buyer's okay. entrance. Or I you can do this. Okay, do this when you go to the game. Hey, Siri. Give me the 2022 University of Hawaii football roster. Waiting. Waiting. Oh, there it is right there on my phone. It took four seconds to do. You're bragging. Yeah, you're right. That, it is easy. No, I'm I, not bragging. I'm I saying know, it's, it's – unless you don't have a, 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 a smartphone, I can see. It's probably how you use – were there any actual hard tickets? I think everybody I thought got in on their on their phones now. For UH, like almost every other sport. I don't know. You're nowadays. asking the wrong guy. I, um, but there are hard tickets, I believe, that are available. I think if you buy them from the uh, Stan Sheriff Center box office, if you actually go in person, I think. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not the I'm not the ticket guy here. But uh, anyway, thank you for texting in to our uh, Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. All right, we got about a minute uh, here, so we we'll have to start uh, with what you were going to get on in just a few minutes here but uh jamie eisenberg was uh, joining us a little while ago and uh you can join us for the rivals fantasy football show because jamie's a, i think he thought he was on a fantasy guest slot but uh we got the rivals fantasy football show tomorrow it's brought to you by rivals sports bar and lounge in the waikiki malia by outrigger so who is our weekly fantasy expert tomorrow we will have Vinnie Iyer from the Sporting News. He will be our fantasy expert tomorrow. All right. And you can win some NFL memorabilia, for example, tomorrow. David Njoku of the Cleveland Browns. Pretty good tight end and a great picture. You'll love this picture, and you can win it by listening and answering a simple question. It's an autographed photo suitable for framing. It's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger Wednesdays. 8 a.m. on ESPN Honolulu. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Honolulu World Champion Little League Coach Gerald Oda in 20 minutes on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, top stories we've been following today, Cam Smith and six more PGA golfers have fled for the Live Tour, and they'll play, I believe, this weekend in their fourth event. Still got a few more left this year. Maybe at some point we can have an all-star team, the Live versus the PGA Tour, kind of like the Ryder Cup. I think that'd be a great idea. I think it would be absolutely that would you think people wouldn't want to watch that? Yeah. And then they go and they, they go in a boxing ring or something or jello <laughs> wrestle or something yeah. afterwards. <laughs> All right, the uh University of Hawaii has uh got a lot of cleaning up to do after that last game and they still are looking at uh, they don't really have, we we don't really have a starting quarterback yet. It's between Shager and Yellen. And uh, hopefully we'll get an answer this week. And one thing I saw just on Twitter, Brian McGinnis at Twitter today, is that Armani Eden is actually wearing the orange jersey today, even though he's on the scout team with the white shirt. He's one of the quarterbacks. So now five quarterbacks in practice wearing the orange jersey. I don't know if that means anything as far as changes, but I thought that was interesting to see earlier. 
I wonder if Eden is related to the, the Armani Eden on the team. Oh, that'd Eden. be interesting. Uh, also, <laughs> I, I'm probably wrong anyway. Uh, NFL uh, ro- rosters are cut to 53 today. Got a couple of local guys uh, that have been cut. Yeah, and one player I didn't mention earlier, uh, Marcus Kemp, he's on IR. He's with the New York Giants right now, and they had to clear up a roster spot. So I don't know if that's permanent or just a four-week kind for Marcus Kemp. Earlier today we heard about Bradley and I for the New York Jets now. who had a nice touchdown in a preseason game after a sack. He was waived today. Also, Keith Kirkwood, the former receiver for Hawaii, and then went to Temple. He was with Carolina. He got waived earlier today. Cortez Davis was waived last week. By by Arizona. He did play in a preseason game and got one tackle of their three games that I saw. And I know he was with the XFL for the tryout that was here a couple of months ago when The Rock was here. So maybe he'll still get to play in the XFL unless somebody would pick him up. But I guess the good news is that there aren't any other familiar names that we have seen so far. And I know you and I are both trying to get updated lists on that to see if there's any more names that have been cut. Hopefully we won't see any familiar names. All righty. Okay. Some of the other names, though, that have been out there besides Hawaii players, Tevin Coleman, a running back, had a couple of good years with Atlanta a few years ago. Did, to me, nothing with the Jets last year. He was cut earlier. Giants backup quarterback Davis Webb was cut. Uh, Kellen Mond, formerly of Texas A&M. I, I think you could see the writing on the wall for him in that when they got – I'm trying to remember the – they got a – the Sean Mannion is who they picked up. And that's one of the – he's probably going to be the backup to Kirk Cousins there. Sean – oh, Okay. And so Kellen Mond, I think they picked, one- they picked him up a little while ago, um, and he's looked pretty good in in uh, the preseason as well. Right, We're talking about um, um, Mannion, not Kel- yeah, John Mannion. From remember we Hawaii, we played against him. Oregon, Oregon State. State. Yeah. I think at the time he left, he was the all-time passing leader in Pac-12 history, which kind of amazing. Uh, to say the least. Uh, O.J. Howard, the tight end, was released by Buffalo. I was a little surprised by that. Maybe not a big surprise that Josh Gordon got cut by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Philip Lindsay used to be a good running back a few years ago. He was on the Indianapolis Colts, and he got waived earlier today as well. Uh, some other familiar names. We mentioned that Sony Michelle was cut. I, I would think a team's going to pick him up, though. He started every game I, oh, he played in every game for the Rams last year and started about 11 or 12. Again, I, I know he's not a, a Pro Bowl-type running back anymore, but if you don't have a lot of depth at your running back position, I think he'd be a pretty good pickup. In Miami, they just had too many guys with starting experience, and Mostert is going to be the guy there. Miles Gaskin could be another odd guy. I'm looking to see his name, and he was primarily their starter last year. So, Michelle, I'd, I'd be interested to see if maybe somebody does pick him up, but I I wouldn't be surprised if somebody does. And that'll I don't be know the, that – but- you mentioned Sony Michelle is a Pro Bowl I said he's not. Back? I said he's not. Yeah, he's ne- he's never been to a Pro Bowl. No, I said he's not. I said he's oh, not okay. a Pro Bowl running back, but he's still somebody that I think a team would like to pick up. Maybe if you had, if you need some depth or you have an injury at running back, I think he's still serviceable to say the least. And again, he played in every game for the Rams last year. Again, he wasn't great, but he was still part of that committee there with Cam Akers and others. So I, I, I would. Well, why think- would you Why would you pick him up if he was just okay? I mean, it seems like anyone can. It'd be pretty easy to get an okay running back. Well, if you if you have an injury at your position, let's say the Washington Commanders, Brian Robinson. They actually they kept him on the fifty three man roster. The player who was shot twice on Sunday, but he's probably not going to play for a while, if at all. So you got Antonio Gibson. You got McKissick. The, the other running back, and I believe that's all for them. So they might be in need of another running back just to get some more depth. So that might be an example of a guy like Sony Michelle hooking up there. 
So I, I do think he'll get picked up. The practice squads are 16 players now, so I think you're going to see a lot of names there where it used to be, what, seven or eight? Uh, now it's a lot bigger there. So, so I know guys will get picked up, and that's what's going to happen in the next day or two. And I, I did wonder, as we asked Jamie or Eisenberg, about Cole Beasley still said he wants to play. And you might not like him with his vaccine talk and everything last year. <laughs> Still, I don't think he – again, another guy, if you need depth at that position or if you have an injury, you know, he's been a pretty decent receiver over his career in the, in the NFL. A little older now, but still guy who, yeah. you know, I, I think teams would probably want to get. I'm surprised he hasn't, he hasn't been picked he's, up. There's three words, small and slow. Was he always slow? And he was always small, yeah. and he's still a pretty decent receiver. I thought he was pretty good with Dallas before he went with Buffalo. Yeah, but he's he's like a number three receiver. He's not a he's not a, okay, a, a sure. WR one or even two. He's he's like a, a number three slot guy. But if you I'd rather have somebody with a lot more speed. I'd rather have Khalil Pimpleton for crying out loud. We'll see if he gets waived by Detroit. But I mean, if you're Dallas and Michael Gallup might not be ready at the beginning of the season, do you want to maybe resign him? I think he's made comments that he wouldn't mind going back there. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's just one example. And the Domicon Sue, another guy that hasn't signed. And uh, Jamie Eisenberg told us last hour he thinks if he wants to play, he'll sign somewhere. But Tampa Bay didn't want him. And I'm, I think he's at least serviceable, too. I know he's not the, the dominant player he was when he was on Detroit years ago. But, I mean, I think he was still a pretty decent player. So I'm surprised at that. There's also a player out there that hasn't been mentioned much. I know Von Miller is trying to recruit him to Buffalo, Odell Beckham Jr., he might not play this year, and he's definitely not going to play the first month or two. And I know Sean McVay wants him back, but that would be a guy when healthy. He was pretty good last year for the Ram, better than he was with Cleveland. So I'm wondering how those players are going to get picked up anytime soon. And hopefully, again, we won't hear any more Hawaii names. And uh, we'll let you know if we do hear them before we go off the air. And I'm sure Josh will be on top of that as well as Kanoa a little bit later. But it is that day, and I think the cut, the final cut, I believe, is at 10 a.m. our time. So probably hear some more names in the next two hours yeah i just can't get an update anything from this morning like we started at oh about five o'clock when i started looking at this stuff there's no updates on any of these teams it's very frustrating it's very frustrating because this i think the steelers are down to their 53 because they've in the last couple of days they've cut 40 players and that's a lot well some and, of those guys are from a week uh, a couple of weeks ago Right, so the, the, the entire they, – they didn't have – I'm sure they didn't have over 100 guys in camp, did they? No, but they they only had – they had 80 last Tuesday, so they only could cut up to 27. Today. Right, right. I didn't say it was just today. Okay. I, I, did, I just said over the last few days they've cut 40 players. But not this week. Oh. It wasn't all from this week. They, they had 80 oh, last okay. Tuesday. Okay, so they say to the, 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 they've cut 40 guys more than anybody else. That's what I'm trying to get at. Where you have these guys, because now I'm terribly interested in the in the Detroit Lions, and they don't. I want to make sure that you know they cut Khalil Pimpleton. He's kind of the star of uh, he was one of the the likable guys on Hard Knocks, but uh, not the biggest stars. And some of these other guys, they're not going to cut that you've seen on the documentary. But there's some guys. I'm, I'm I'm David Blau. He was like a third string quarterback. They cut Boyle, who was the, like a second string guy, or vice versa. I can't tell. But so that was good news that they kept him. So obviously, Blau was going to make the team. He's one of the guys you kind of follow and uh, feel bad for because you think he's going to get cut. But apparently, the Lions are going to keep him. I want to find out more about what's going on with the Lions. <laughs> See, I told you, you become a fan of every I year I watch about, this. I don't even care about the Steelers or, or my other teams like the Raiders and the Seahawks. It's like, come on, Lions. <laughs> 
every time I watch that show, I become a fan of that team, at least to a certain extent there. So I, I am curious about some of the guys they'll cut. And I know they have a new edition of Hard Knocks that will come out today. So uh, we'll oh, see good. what they we'll talk. And I think next Tuesday would be the last one for them. But uh, Oh, there's only like four episodes? Five they usually do. Oh, okay. So there's going to be – oh, man, that's – I know they got a, the the in season one coming in November on the Cardinals. It's yeah, like, I could care less. But the um, what we've learned in at least from Hard Knocks is that Aiden Hutchinson appears to be really really good. <laughs> yes, he does. Right? I mean, the guy is a beast. Some they showed up one of the episodes of Hard Knocks. They showed a kid going up to him trying to give him a Michigan State jersey to sign, and he. he kind of dropped it when he realized it was a michigan state jersey <laughs> i didn't see that but it's uh, well because he went to michigan his dad went to michigan yeah. his sister just graduated from michigan i'm mean, all michigan people there was one episode where it was the first preseason game and um what receiver was it amon ross st brown yeah so his dad is a two-time mr universe <laughs> and uh that really you know which is pretty cool but they're sitting in, like, I don't want to say the cheap seats. You couldn't tell where they were. But they're sitting in the stadium, him and his maybe a wife and maybe Amon Ra's sister or girlfriend or wife or something with them. And uh, he's, he says, oh, there's Aiden Hutchinson. I wonder where his parents are. They're probably up in the pre- up in the luxury suite. And then the next scene shows the parents and the entire family in a luxury suite because he's the first-round draft choice, I guess. But it was cute because his sister's. Which are they're so precious. They're so cute. His sisters, who are look like they're in their early twenties as well, or maybe late teens, and uh, they're watching, and their their mom's all excited that uh, Hutch, as they call him, Hutch is uh, starting his first preseason game, and they're excited to see him on the field. And then they hear the announcer say, "And at quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, Marcus Mariota," and they both go, "Marcus Mariota." That's how they said it. Marcus Mariota, like they didn't know he got traded, but there was he was like a famous name to them. They were very impressed that Mariota was on the field. That's right. I thought what you were going to say about the dad being the bodybuilder and in the gym with them is that he kept using the phrase, don't Kevin Durant on me. Oh, yeah. He's a little taking a well, little what, shot. Well, you know what he meant. Yeah, that you're, you're, you're kind of weak and, you know, strong, not strong enough. And just it was a negative comment. That's No, no, sure. no, no. What, what he was getting at is you have to work out your entire body. The reason guys like Kevin Durant are getting hurt because they're not working out his ankles. And he's all, you know, they're only doing certain things. You have to work out your entire body is what he meant uh, because Kevin Durant keeps hurting his feet because he doesn't work on his feet. <laughs> and I knew you would enjoy that part. You know, I think it was it might have been Jeff Risen or somebody else who covered the Detroit Lions mentioned that St. Brown might be on the bubble as far as making the roster, and he was pretty good for them last year. And in Hard Knock, you only see him a little bit, but I was surprised I didn't see that. I thought he was one of their definite guys that they would keep. I haven't seen his name yet, but as you mentioned, for some reason it's really hard to get an updated list from what we saw before we went on the air. And I've gone to ESPN, Pro Football Talk, and NFL.com, and nothing has changed in the last two and a half hours. But hopefully we'll get 808-296-1420, number to text in. And, uh, yeah, still not seeing any update there. But it's also a great to hear uh, to think that the NFL season starts a week from tomorrow. I'm a little surprised with um, the Rams, uh, not tomorrow, but Thursday. Rams and Buffalo with a Thursday night opener. Buffalo's favored on the road. And the Rams, I know they don't have Von Miller, 
They don't have Odell Beckham. None of those guys started the season with them last year. But I'm surprised that Buffalo is favored on the road. I know Buffalo is everybody's trendy pick to make it to the Super Bowl. That doesn't always work. And I know after Kansas City went the first time, and they did go to the second time, they lost to Tampa Bay. I just have a feeling it might be somebody else in the mix. Uh, and I know Buffalo should be in the mix. I mean, they've got Josh Allen. They've got the defense. They've still got a really good team. But I, 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 it's too easy for everybody to pick them to go to the Super Bowl. And I'm not, I have a feeling it could be a surprise team. I mean, who, who thought Cincinnati was going to go last year? Nobody. Right, but that's, it's, like, it's like that every year. Go back and look. It's Super Bowl year by year. It seems like there's one team you expect there, and one of them's not. Right? Well, you could have said that the, a lot of people were talking about the Rams when they got uh, the quarterback. What's his name? Stafford. Uh, when they got Matthew Stafford. Oh, this is a Super Bowl winning team. That was the missing piece. That was kind of the conversation. I mean, if this goes by chalk, it's going to be the Chargers and the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. I wouldn't mind that at all, well, that but can't. it's not going to happen. It can't. Oh, that's the right. They're both in the AFC. <laughs> okay, the uh, the uh, our AFC championship game. Uh, who's the big dog in the NFC? Don't say Packers. I'm so tired of Aaron Rodgers. Niners, Saints, Tampa. No, maybe 49ers. Tampa. They they've lost all their offensive linemen. Uh, say it's the 49ers, which I would love. I'd love to see the 49ers and Chargers. I'd love to see the 49ers and Bills. I love to see Jimmy Garoppolo played in the Super Bowl. I just, that would be something. Anyway, it would be, you know, the NFC, whoever it is, you know what? The Rams. How about the Rams? Why can't the Rams come back? Right. I would put them in uh, You the know, favorite. Rams and Chargers, all L.A. Super, all yellow and blue, all L.A. I'd be, I'd be on board 100%. But uh, you could have the, or the, you know, the Rams and the Bills. I, I, love I, it. I but it's not going to happen. Somebody's going to come. You know what? The Ravens. Yeah. The Ravens are going to end up in the Super Bowl or something, right? It could okay. be. I, again, I think there will be a, a team that we're maybe not expecting in the AFC as far as Buffalo is concerned. But the two the two years before last Super Bowl when Cincinnati made it, you had Tampa Bay and Kansas City. I don't think that was that far-fetched to pick those two teams. In the year before, it was the Niners and Kansas City. So those are two. all those teams are kind of picked at the top. Cincinnati really oh. came out of nowhere. Man, we forget about Kansas City too, huh? Kansas City's like, you know, Kansas City could easily be the team. Man, this I hope that the AFC is going to be so competitive this year. Yeah. You know how right, I think real also quick, could be dark? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think Miami's going to surprise people, and I'm not trying to be a whole so. bias. Two has so. looked really good, and we'll keep saying it's the preseason. With the talent <laughs> they've added to that roster, I don't know enough about Mike McDaniel because he hasn't been a head coach, but I, I think – that Miami could be a surprise team. I'll just predict they'll be in the playoffs for now. I'm not saying Super Bowl, gonna... <laughs> but I think the playoffs is ahead for them. How about, like, Atlanta has an unbelievable uh, year. It's Atlanta and Miami wow. in the Super Bowl. That it's, would it, be the script. In a pretend world, that's kind of fun. Oh, that's but, great. All right, we got to go. We, You know what? Let me get a text real quick before Gerald Oda comes on. Um, Paul texted in and said the Vikings picked up Nick Mullins. Oh, I didn't know that. That's right. I like Nick Mullins. Uh, Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond sucked in the preseason. Actually, I don't know. I, I didn't. I've only seen bits and pieces of Sean Mannion. I mean, it's not like he threw. A, he didn't throw any interceptions. He threw you know, like sixty percent completion type of guy. You know, twenty six of forty three. I think I'm looking at twenty seven of forty three. It wasn't. He hasn't been horrible, but he is. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't. 
hasn't passed for a ton of yardage, even though he started two out of the three games. Um, he hasn't passed for a ton. But anyway, thank you for texting in, Paul, at 808-296-1420. Um, uh, somebody texted in, Animals, any update on Bobby? Have we heard from Bobby lately? Uh, no, I reached out last week, wasn't able to get a response, but I'll try I'll again tr- by we'll today try or tomorrow. Again. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and uh, we'll have a Little League World Champion Coach Gerald Oda joining us next here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Just a reminder, the Blood Bank of Hawaii needs 200 donations every day. If you can help, they'd sure appreciate it. On Oahu here, you can make an appointment to donate at Waikele Center, Kapolei Commons, Windward Mall, on Young Street in town, or Dillingham Boulevard. Visit bbh.org to schedule your donation. This message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman, Chris Hart, the Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show here on ESPN Honolulu. And once again, we are so honored to be joined by our next guest, uh, the championship coach for the Honolulu Little League team that won the World Series on Sunday in Williamsport. Back with us, Gerald Oda. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. I'm just wondering now that you've won multiple World Series titles, every time you land at the airport here in Honolulu, do you expect a water salute now? Good morning and aloha. And that would that would be awesome. If I could get that kind of welcome every time I uh, I return back from a trip, man, I'm, that would make my life uh, fulfilled. Well, you deserve it. And uh, you could probably run for governor right now, I think, probably win that as well. And congratulations. I know uh, it must have been an overwhelming experience. And the ride home yesterday, we saw the footage at the airport. What stands out to you over the last 48 hours? You know, just the sense of appreciation, you know, thanking everybody. You know, for uh, giving us this opportunity, you know, it's not, you know, for anyone, you know, for a baseball team or anyone for that matter, you know, to represent our great state. It's such a big responsibility, and I'm just deeply appreciative how, uh, how our boys played. Um, grateful, of course, that we were able to win, but more more important than that was just basically show, show the world, you know, this is this is what a, Hawaii, a person from Hawaii looks. This is what, you know, we spread, you know, aloha spirit and and also be, to play with Pono, you know, be do it the right way. And, um, again, just nothing but appreciation and appreciation of how much support we had from everyone back home. You talk about the Aloha spirit and doing things the right way. A couple things come to mind. The Tennessee coach said the other day that he hates that your team is so good and he also hates that your team is so nice. It's a great compliment that he said and a good tribute to your team. And I, I saw also that every, I guess after every game, your team would go over to the visiting fans and salute them as well. Another great gesture by your squad. Yeah, you know, I think it's something that we want to we stress to our kids that, you know, uh, it's so easy to use anger or hatred as a motivation you know the, oh, that other team is terrible or, you know they, they're blah, 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 to villainize them or demonize them you know and I'm, I, I, I'll be honest I used to do that in my especially in my younger years when coaching and then but in this day and age and we all see it in, our, in, in politics or in a community that's very that can also be very dangerous you know when we start doing this us against them kind of mentality and so that's why we really want to distress those kids that you know this playing baseball yes you know we do have an opponent but our biggest challenge isn't the other team. Our biggest challenge is that small voice of doubt in your head. 
that's the challenge, you know, and that's one something that we wanted to stress to our kids that, you know, let's give everybody respect. You know, we just, everyone's there for, at Williams, but for the same reason, you know, there's only one team that's going to come out in the end, uh, the champion. And whether it be us, and we were very grateful that, it, you know, it was us, um, but at the same time, it's really show respect to our opponents. Honolulu Little League World Series champion coach Gerald Oda with us on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I understand that the mayor, Mayor Blangiardi, said they hope to have a parade and a celebration in the works. Have you heard anything along those lines yet? You know, I was very grateful and surprised to see Mayor Blangiardi as well as um, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green um, at the airport yesterday. I know Mayor Blangiardi said that they're still trying to arrange, you know, a parade for the team, which I, you know, of course, deeply appreciate it. Um, and, you know, it's more so for us in trying to figure out ways, how can we really go out and really thank everybody for, again, for the support. And we did also get a call after we won um, the championship game. Governor Ige called, and he informed us that he was in Japan um, away, but nonetheless, you know, reached out to the kids and was able to congratulate the boys. And, uh, but as far as what you heard is what I heard. <laughs> as okay. far as any kind of parade. I know how humble you are, but when I see the numbers 60 to 5, I just can't get over that. How do you explain that? That's the run differential. You guys scored 60 runs and only let up five and actually trailed uh, for half an inning for the first time in this World Series on Sunday. You know, and it's, it's something that we always, again, stress to our boys is that every every pitch is a different battle. Every inning is a different, you know, battle. And, what we tell the kids, though, is that play hard from the first pitch to the last pitch. You know, give us 100% on every single pitch. And, you know, whether we, whether we was up by one round or down one round, you know, the, the message always stays the same. Just just focus on the moment. Give your 100% um, – uh, not that too, but 100% focus on the pitch. And, you know, and we'll see what happens at the end of the day. As long as we win by one, that's all that matters. Um, but yeah, we really, to be honest, that was something that me, my brother, Keith, and along with Coach Willis, we never really checked, you know, other than the fact that, hey, the kids are doing well, let's, let's just keep it rolling. And it definitely was rolling all the way through the end. One of the things I love when I watch championship sporting events, high school, college, pro, little league, is the reaction once the championship is clinched. So for you, you've done it twice. Can you describe the moments after the mercy rule came into play on Sunday and also going back to 2018 when you won it? What are those moments like for you? You know, just a sense of deep appreciation again. You know, just to have... You know, I spoke to, you know, when we were talking about it after the end of the game, you know, the kids all ran on the field. It was just myself, Willis, and Keith, you know, we're standing on the sidelines and we're looking at these kids jumping around and celebrating. And, you know, we, we all talked about it. We said, guys, can you think about it, man, how fortunate we are that we were able to come back in 2022 and just to participate and play a part in these, these 14 kids' lives. So just, you know, just nothing but appreciation again. Appreciation for the kids, appreciation for the parents for trusting us and coaching their sons. Um, and something that, you know, again, that we, we very recognize that this is not, you know, it seems like you know, every year there's a Hawaii team that's traveling, but we recognize that this is a special opportunity and how, how very you know, appreciative that we were able to do this. Little League World Series champion coach Gerald Oda with the Animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. I was wondering about this last night as well, watching the kids arrive at the airport. Do they have to go to school today? <laughs> so that was, you know, buddy, that was the running thing that we kept telling the kids that we were counting down the days and say, "Hey guys, you guys got two more days of summer school. Guess what? When we arrive back home, <laughs> well, you guys going back to reality school." So yes, everyone had to go back to school on uh, uh, today this morning, but. 
you know, we, we, we told the kids, though, you guys have one hell of a great summer. You know, let's just continue on, uh, you know, and just let's just do this, you know. And we told them, too, that yeah, um, Sunday's game was the last time they would ever play baseball as a 12-year-old because they're all going to be moving up to the bigger diamond now, um, you know, with their intermediate teams and so forth. So, yeah, it was something, you know, special for us to let them know that, hey, again, you know, thanking them that we, we – for us, even the coaches, you know, we had such an unbelievable summer journey with these kids. I thought it was really interesting when I saw one of the articles written is that some of your players from the 2018 squad were at the airport yesterday, and they've still had really successful baseball careers since the World Series four years ago. Yes, and that that made me, myself, um, my, my brother Keith and Willis, I think that was the coolest thing. You know, we had nothing but appreciation. But to see, you know, that there were six of them, you know, that showed up and to greet us, you know, it really, you know, I really felt happy and proud of these kids, you know, that, that for them to take the time out of the day. I'm sure it didn't hurt that they had to leave school early, but nonetheless, they, <laughs> they showed up. And it was such a cool moment because, you know, what the 2018 team did, they basically laid the foundation for these kids, you know, on this year's team. Because, you know, these kids that back in 2018, they were like eight years old, you know, and I'm sure, you know, they saw us play in 2018 on TV. And the kids would always tell me, too, like, hey, coach, you know, I, I saw the game on YouTube, right? Da, 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 da. And, and it's so funny because as we were progressing along, you know, when we won our states, you know, won the regionals, all of a sudden, a lot of the kids started questioning, hey, coach, who's the better team, 2018 or 2022? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. But, you know, I'm hoping and praying that this 2022 um, team, this year's team, does the same thing what 2018 team did. That, you know, hopefully that there's a young kid um, watching our games and then, you know, starts dreaming big and says, you know, dad tells the parents that when he's 12 years old, he wants to um, see if he can make it to the Little League Road Series, I think. So that was the cool thing, seeing the past connect with the present and also with the present guys, hopefully laying the foundation for future teams. Coach, we thank you so much for being so gracious with your time and coming on every time we've asked to talk to you. Congratulations on the success. I guess if we follow the trend in 2026, you'll win it again. If you want to do it next year, though, we'll be okay with that as well. Again, congratulations. I'm sure we'll see a lot of each other in the next week or two as the celebrations start. Awesome. Thank you again for giving me this opportunity not to be on your show. Much mahalo. All right, thank you so much. Head coach Gerald Oda for the Little League World Series champion Honolulu team joining us on ESPN Honolulu. When we find out more information about some of the celebrations planned, we will pass that along. But what a great run and uh, great kids, great coaching staff, and the parents did their job as well. we got more coming up with the animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Animals on a Tuesday morning on ESPN Honolulu. Earlier today in the 6 o'clock hour, Chris and I talked to the head football coach at Western Kentucky. He's a former University of Hawaii assistant. Tyson Helton joined us, and we're going to do an animal rewind and listen back to that right now. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu, the former University of Hawaii assistant coach, now the head coach for Western Kentucky, Tyson Helton is with us. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Is this the first time you've been back to Hawaii since you coached here? Uh, no, I've been several times, and um, but it'll be fun to get back. It's probably been a couple of years since I've been back and looking forward to getting back. 
You coached here as a grad assistant in 2000. June Jones was the head coach and then special teams coach for until 2003. You were, you were a coach on the team that Timmy Chang was the quarterback on. How ironic is that? You guys both as a head coach right now. What do you remember about Timmy Chang, the player, when you were coaching here? Well, just a spectacular player. Um, you know, I can remember when he broke the all-time passing record and broke Ty Detmer's record. And um, not only a great player, but a great person. I can remember when he did that, running over, handing his dad the ball on the sidelines. And Timmy always thought about others in, in front of himself. And, uh, you know, so it's great. I'm really happy for him that he's the head coach at Hawaii. And, and uh, you know, June kind of got it all started and, and, and got uh, – Hawaii football on the map, and then, you know, Nick Rolovich came in there and got it going again, and I know Timmy's going to get it going again as well. Let's talk a little bit about your team. You come in with the win last Saturday against Austin Pete, 38-27. Your quarterback, we've heard so many great things about, didn't disappoint at all, and Austin Reed, 20 of 34, four touchdowns. Talk about his performance in week zero. He did a good job, you know, good, uh, solid first start. Uh, obviously, we need to take a big step from game one to game two, but I uh, thought he managed the offense well. And, you know, Austin's a guy that's got a big, strong arm, and he's got a quick trigger, and, um, you know, he can throw it all around the park. And, but he's still developing as well as a quarterback. And uh, so hopefully in game two he can take another big step there. But it, they're really happy he's our quarterback. For the fans getting to see Western Kentucky this Saturday for the first time, can you talk about your offense overall, what you run? Uh, well, we like to throw it, obviously. Uh, every year you change, you know, and you got to put your best 11 out there. And I think we got some, some good skill players. But whatever the defense gives us, that's what we'll try to take advantage of. And uh, you got to have a good mixture of run and pass, depending upon, you know, the, the defensive looks and all those things. But, uh, you know, we, we're a tempo offense, and, you know, we, we're, we're not going Mach 2 all the time, but uh, we like to try to mix up the tempos and kind of keep the defense on their toes if we can. We're talking with Western Kentucky head football coach Tyson Hilton with the Animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. When you talk about some of the skill position players, I saw the performance of wide receiver Daywood Davis, six catches for 124 yards and a touchdown. He had a special game last weekend. Yeah, he's uh, our guy that can kind of take the top of it, off of it, you know, very deep vertical threat. Um, he showed that again last week, and uh, we got to be able to utilize him in that area just to kind of keep the coverage as soft as we can. And, uh, you know, another guy, um, Malachi Corley, had, you know, three touchdown catches and did some great things in, in the game, and so he's another guy for us. And so, uh, you know, those guys, as long as they're out there playing, um, we feel good about what, what we can accomplish offensively. I always uh, enjoyed some of the really creative nicknames in college sports and college football, of course. And you've got a linebacker nicknamed the Donut. Uh, 13 tackles, <laughs> two and a half sacks for Jacques Evans, Jacques Evans last Saturday. Talk about his nickname. First of all, how did he get that? Well, you know, when we recruited him, that's what his nickname was. I First time I ever met him, I called him by his name, and he said, Coach, you can just call me Donut. And I said, how did you get the name Donut? And he said, well, when I was young, I was kind of pudgy, so everybody called me Donut, and so the name stuck. And Obviously, he's a good football player. And uh, so that's uh, he had a really good first game, and, and uh, hopefully he can continue that momentum into the second game.
When you prepare for the University of Hawaii this Saturday and you see the tape for Hawaii versus Vanderbilt from last weekend, what are your overall thoughts on how Hawaii looked? Well, I think they're a very talented football team. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think they got weapons of their own. I know we're talking about our players, but they have good skill players on offense. I really like the running back. He's a very explosive player. They got a big physical offensive line. You know, those guys look tied together really, really well. I think, you know, the quarterbacks do a nice job managing the offense. And then defensively, I think, you know, they fly around and, and they're, and they're uh, very aggressive. And so I, I expect this to be a four-quarter game. I expect this to be a really good football uh, game between two good teams that are trying to go out there and get a win. And, you know, sometimes when you play games, the ball just doesn't bounce your way. I think back to the last week watching the film, uh, the running back had two fumbles. But, you know, I mean, the guy put the helmet right on the ball. The ball pops out. You know, it's just bad luck. You know, you don't have those plays. It might have been a different game. So uh, I think they're going to be a really good football team. I think they're going to grow uh, from week one to week two and uh, expect a really, really good challenging game. As of right now, we don't know, and I'm sure you don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be for the University of Hawaii. How does that affect your preparation without knowing who who it'll be, but based on maybe last week's film? Well, I think whoever it is, that um, whoever they play, they got three good quality quarterbacks, and uh, whoever they play, they can win the game for them. So for us, it really doesn't matter who that guy's going to be. Uh, I think they all throw the ball uh, very solid. I think they manage the offense well. Unfortunately for the quarterbacks last week, you know, when Hawaii got behind, they were having to catch up and probably throw it more than they wanted to, and, and that makes it a tough day at the park for a quarterback because the defense gets to just play coverage. So, uh, But I was impressed with what the quarterbacks did, and I thought there's a lot there. And, um, you know, so they, I think they can win the game very easily. So whoever runs out there is going to be challenging for us. Western Kentucky head football coach Tyson Helton joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. We get ready for the game on Saturday night at 6 o'clock at T.C. Chain Complex. Coach, what are your thoughts about college football overall with all the realignment and how it might look, especially for the group of five schools in a few years? Well, we'll see. You know, I, I think like anything, you got to adapt as, you know, you just can't stay stagnant and I think we'll look back in a couple years when all the realignment happens and things settle. I think it'll be good for college football. I think there'll be new rivalries. Um, You know, I think everybody's worried now about, well, there's going to have two mega conferences and all that. But I think there's room for everybody uh, still once everything settles. And, you know, the biggest thing for for schools like a Western Kentucky or or a Hawaii, you know, the big thing is just, win and win and, and go to bowl games and per- perform well and win those games and win championships. And, you know, you, you put your brand out there and you'll always be recognized that way. Hawaii's always done that, you know, think back to, you know, when they went to New Year's six bowl several years ago and with uh, Colt Brennan and, you know, Western Kentucky's done that, you know, we've had some record setting years and some big bowl wins and, and championship wins. So, you know, there's, I think there's room for everybody and uh, it may be, look a little different the landscape might look a little different in a couple of years but uh, I think at the end of the day it all will fit and work out nicely last question for you coach and thank you for your time when you get off the plane in Honolulu this week what is the first meal you will have <laughs> that's a great question I don't know I love spam you should be I like good plate lunch um you know uh 
I learned pokey. You know, I never had pokey till I became a grad assistant, and now I love it. So I don't know. It's all good. The, the culture's great. The food's great. I'm just going to take it all in. Well, looking forward to a great game on Saturday night. Coach, thanks again for joining us. Good luck this week and all season long. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you having me. All right, thank you so much. Football coach for Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, Tyson Helton, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> All right. It's, uh, don't forget, call the coach with Timmy Chang as we get ready for the Hilltoppers. I hope they don't wear those silver helmets because they have one of their uniforms has silver helmets. And, like, with the sun setting around 7 o'clock at the stadium, it's going to blind everybody. Oh, wow. perhaps I shouldn't have said that because now they're like, pack up the silver helmets. All right, uh, Western Kentucky and University of Hawaii will get you ready for that. with the, Call the coach with Timmy Chang, and, uh, you know, he's not shy. He's not covering this up. He's coming out and saying, hey, this is what happened. This is what went wrong. This is how we plan to get better, and we don't have a starting quarterback yet. All that and more, call the coach with Coach Timmy Chang and John Veneri. Uh, coming up tomorrow at 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lua Shopping Center. And um, you know what? I I'm, I can't wait to get down there just to support the coach. Sure. Because it was a bad loss, we don't jump off that bandwagon. If you're going to call yourself the brotherhood and do all of this, then you know what? Don't, don't jump off the bandwagon after the first game of the season. You know it's going to be a building process. Anyway, thanks to our sponsors, HGEA, PAXA, Hawaii Pacific Health, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, uh, the good folks at IBEW, Local 1186, and, of course, uh, uh, Ben Benjamin, Rick Nakashima, and the rest of the guys at Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii. I just stumbled upon something at 24-7 Sports. And did you know that nearly half of college football quarterbacks are transfers? I can believe that, right? Still I mean, sounds the, crazy, but At yeah, the University of Hawaii, uh, two of our top three quarterbacks are transferred in. Right, and I, you know, I mentioned not that this really adds to it, but it does. A former quarterback for UA, Jeremy Musa from 2018, he's a starting quarterback at Florida A&M. Right now, the way the transfer portal is, I guess that shouldn't be shocking, but in itself, that sounds crazy because if you have two quarterbacks on every team, that's 260 quarterbacks, and half of them are transfers. But nowadays, that's it's not as shocking as it might have been a year it's ago. It's just how, you, yeah, it's just how you do it, right? That's just how you do it. Hey, I'm committing to this school. But if I don't start, I'm gone. Or if I and since it's allowed, why wouldn't you? Joe Burrow, Justin Fields. I mean, you can go on and on for quarterbacks that have been in the college football playoffs and winning championships, right. and they've been transfers. I mean, it, it is really it's not it's not just for the you know average schools or teams that really need an upgrade. It's even for the top ten schools doing this so often. Oh yeah, look at uh, Caleb Williams. Where was he last year? Oklahoma. Okay, so now he's at USC. Right. Uh, let's see who else we got. Quinn Keaton Ewers Slovis. from Ohio State at Texas. Keaton Slovis was at USC, and he's now at where? Pitt. Pitt. JT Daniels was also at USC. Now he's at West Virginia. 
And uh, he was at Georgia he, before that too. Georgia before that, Tanner. Wow, uh, this is like three schools in three years. It's like I got to start somewhere. You know what? Go to Appalachian State, then you'll be able to start. Come on. But Jaden they said Daniels, it, it, at least fifty-nine quarterback transfers are set to start in the FBS. Ten jobs still open as we approach this week. Ten, ten guys have not been announced, but fifty-nine quarterback transfers are starting. Basically Maybe that's half. why that's why they're transferring. Hey, if I can transfer, it's like half the teams have have starters that are transfers. Wow. It, it shouldn't be as shocking when you know you can transfer without sitting out now at least right. once. So that makes right. it a little bit better. And the transfer portal set up is still not that old. Uh, and maybe NILs come into play as well. I mean, you can get more money if you go somewhere else and put it all <laughs> together, and it makes sense for I, a lot of these guys. Think about that. Do you think any of these transfers have left just for money? Like you're starting, you're successful. Hey, I'm starting I'm a starting quarterback at Texas. I'm doing it. had a great year. Wait a minute. I can get a better deal in Oklahoma? If you're that good in a major team, you're getting major NIL money. I don't know that anyone would leave. I, no, I don't know this. I'm guessing that no one's leaving at this point just for money. Well, how much more money would it be? It depends on where you're from. For example, Texas doesn't allow their high school athletes to get NIL. So Quinn Ewers, who was a high school quarterback in Texas, he went to Ohio State to get the money right away. Even though, I mean, he was at Ohio State when he got the NIL. But that, then he goes no, back that, to Texas. That, no, no, no. But that isn't that's why he chose initially Ohio yes, yes. State, a little right? Different, yes. I'm talking about people who transferred. Who transferred? Who was the starting quarterback? Was and then says somebody, somebody uh, across the country said, "Hey, I'll give you a million dollars a year to come over here." I wonder. Didn't Dylan Gabriel, who who initially was oh, to go to UCLA, right. then You're on got, the air, only not went in our headphones, right? Yes, I'm on the air. So th- this was according to Rod yes. York, I believe, Listen, a couple of yes. mo- about a month ago on Let's Talk Sports. But, yeah, Dylan Gabriel was slated to go to UCLA and then got a little bit of offer, a little uh, bit of that cash moolah from Norman, Oklahoma. And, hey, yeah, now he's at Oklahoma, and now Mililani is getting some cool new basketball jerseys from Dylan Gabriel. First of all, as the great Jim Leahy would say, there's no such thing as Mililani. That place does not exist. So Yeah, he was at UCLA for like a week, and that's what Coach York said is, he got an NIL, so he went over to Oklahoma. But uh, anyway, so Mililani. Mililani. Thank you very much. I don't have time to get into what Nick Saban said the other day about NILs, but he had a really good point. We'll save that for tomorrow. <laughs> That's the big tease for tomorrow's show. Hey, great show today. Thank you, guys. Uh, Tanner, thank you, Gary. We'll see you tomorrow here. Uh, coming up, it's Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy. And Josh Pacheco has got uh, you at 3 o'clock. They got UH tickets to give away on ESPN Honolulu.